Got nothing to do? Wanna have some fun? 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 Happy Game Family Go Podcast. Hello, Internet, and welcome to this, the second episode of the Happy Game Family Go Podcast. I'm sitting here with my daughter, Sabrina. How are you doing, Sabrina? I'm pretty good. Good, good. Uh, we're just recording our intro here, getting it all started out. Wanted to let you know a couple of things. Uh, number one, that you can find uh, each new episode of the Happy Game Family Go podcast at our website. It's www.happygamefamily.com. I built that myself here this last week. Um, number two, we are uh, in the submission process, and hopefully we will have uh, inclusion in the iTunes store uh, for our podcast if you want to... Uh, connect to it there. I spent part of this week uh, learning how to make an RSS uh, feed XML file. Uh, actually, I haven't had much time to make game or play games myself this week because of all the podcasting work that I've been yeah. doing. Um, but we're just uh, getting it started out here with our intro. I think we'll talk uh, in this episode a lot about co-op gaming, something that we uh, we experience a lot as a family and multiplayer gaming. Honestly, I think that maybe the process of making this podcast has gotten us more interested in in playing games that we can all play, to, you know, together, or at least that's what I noticed uh, this last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, so this is episode zero zero one. Our last episode was our podcast prototype, so we called that episode zero zero zero. So this is really uh, the first episode where we're going to go forward with confidence, and I'm going to mm-hmm. try to say uh. A little less, and I'm going to try to say, you know, a little less. Yeah. I noticed that a lot. And I'm going to try not to have my dorky laugh in there quite. <laughs> 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 um, thanks for joining us, Internet. As we did before, we're going to uh, break our podcast up into little segments uh, and bring in different family members at different times to get it done. So, uh, uh, did you get to hear some of our last ones, Sabrina? Yeah. How do you think we did? Pretty good. Good, good. Well, hopefully we'll we'll keep doing it. We also uh, want to go ahead and let people know that we do have a email address, happygamefamily at yahoo.com for questions. I'm sure we don't have any questions on there yet because I don't actually think we have any listeners yet yeah. other than ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but when we do, uh, I'll go ahead and screen questions that come in on there. And if they're you know appropriate and not mean-spirited, you know, maybe we'll answer a few of them on the podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, Internet, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to go ahead and bring in Sabrina's friend who uh, is here on a sleepover. Her name is Hannah. (laughs) And uh, they've enjoyed a lot of co-op gaming. Uh, uh, We talked a little bit last week about Resident Evil 5. Well, you actually beat that game last weekend. And I started a new one. Oh, you did? Uh, A new playthrough on the same? Ah, cool. Pretty far in that. Well, maybe we can have you guys talk a little bit on what the experience was co-op gaming for that uh for you and how it's different for you than for other people or how it's uh fun for you and whether or not yeah. you want to keep doing it and i think you uh probably already gave me some signs that you do by asking me what other games <laughs> of co-op survival horror we have so i'm gonna rack my brain and look at my library maybe while we do that segment and you guys are talking a little bit and i can come up with some suggestions for you okay Okay. Okay. We'll be right back with the We'll be right back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast.
Welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. Come on, admit it. That was no accident. You wanted to get weird on the podcast. You sure did. All right, I'm sitting here with my daughter, Sabrina, and her friend, Hannah. We're not doing any last names on this podcast, just so you know. Oh, and we're also trying to dodge any, you know, bad language, just so you know. Okay. Okay. And brought you in here mostly because you're doing some co-op gaming. Uh, with my daughter, mostly, actually, I feel kind of bad for you guys because my daughter's hitting me up for other gaming options on co-op horror games, and I think you guys have pretty much hit up everything that I know of that is a co-op horror game. You played what? Obscure, yes. Obscure 2, and Resident Evil 5. The only other thing I can think of that you guys haven't hit are some of the shooters that I have on the Wii, there's some Resident Evil, uh, you know, light gun style, shoot the zombie in the head games. Yes. Um, and then two other ones that I know of, uh, that I have in my library that are called House of the Dead. There's House of the Dead, House of the Dead 2 and 3 Return. What's that about? Zombies, shooting them in the head, mostly. It's scary. Uh, that one's actually fairly cheesy. Because <laughs> it's based off of old arcade games. So the graphics are kind of rough. And then there's House of the Dead Overkill, which they recently came out with, which is just for the Wii. Uh, Which is kind of scary, but also funny. It's got this kind of cheesy horror movie vibe to it. You mentioned uh, that other horror movie you saw recently. What was it called? The the phone number one. one, Oh, Evil, like, 916 Evil. 976 Evil. Yeah, 976 Evil. So, you've seen some pretty awful Uh, horror movies. Not just awful in terms of how horror they are, but how cruddy they could be. So, there's a junk food horror component, kind of, that comes along where you have to accept some cheesy fun. Yes. In some of your horror games. But, uh, in turn, beyond that, I really can't think of a lot of co-op horror games. There is a new one out for the Wii. What is it? Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles. Ah, you should get it. You should get it. I, I probably should. You're right. Uh, but I haven't got the money right now, so we're going to have to wait. Damn it. What, is it Chris in it? or? Uh, that one's got Leon. Ooh! You Chris need to get is that in Leon. the uh, Umbrella Chronicles, actually, so you should try... You should try that. I've been telling you. Does he look like that in, in the... No, he looks like he did in number one. Leon is my honest favorite. I, I, I like Chris. I love Leon. Well, Chris Chris is good, too. Uh-huh. But whatever happens to Sheva? You know She was all new for Resident Evil 5. Wasn't she a part of the BSAA? Mm-hmm. But yeah, then but they the showed... BSAA was all new for Resident yeah, Evil Yeah, but then they, they showed her, like, a flashback, like, at the part where um she was, the Wesker was, like, pulling her down from the plane. Like, when, remember that part? No, I don't. No, she didn't die there. No, she didn't die, but, like, they showed, like, a, like, flashback uh-huh. of, like, her when, like, oh, like he had yeah. seen her somewhere. I don't know what to Well, tell I you think that's just when they, like, first met or something. I don't really remember about that all no. that well, but. I don't know what to tell you. She was all new for that game. She, that was her premiere. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And then hopefully she shall continue on. Well, so Resident Evil 5 is the thing you have most uh, at the top of your memory. So, uh, why don't you let me know, you know, some of your thoughts of it, you, uh. Played it all the way through and finished it up last weekend, right? Yeah, and then yes. started a new game. Well, yeah. you did. I did. I wasn't here, yeah. unfortunately. I was going to start a Sheva, but I didn't want to because I wanted to be Chris. Yeah? 
I was only Shava, and well, I don't know, I liked being Shava. Well, so the, that was a game where you you actually played a bunch of it yourself, and then she came back yeah. in for the end chapters, right? Yeah, for like mostly the last battle with Wesker, uh -huh. and that like uh, what's her name again? I forgot something. The was, blonde one? No, not the. She wasn't blonde. She was she, partners Excella? with Wesker. Excella, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Excella, yeah, and then she turned into that big uh, yeah, tentacle whatever tentacle thing, thing like. Mm. And then she was pretty hard to kill. You have to kill it with, like, a rocket launcher or something? No, like, Whatever. laser. Oh, thing. that laser thing. Oh, the orbital laser, right? Oh, it was so like hard. That, yeah. You had to, like, focus it, it on one of those, like, orange things. Uh-huh. And then it would move a lot, so... So it was a pretty yeah. exciting boss battle for you guys. But Wesker was very difficult, because he just wouldn't seem to die. Yeah, we had to watch a walkthrough, because I honestly had, like, no idea what to do. Yeah, you had to shoot, like, the orange thing that was in my... I don't know what's with this orange thing, but it, like... Yeah. That's a it's... pretty common video game thing, you know, that the yeah. bosses... You know, otherwise you wouldn't have any idea what to shoot if there mm -hmm. wasn't some glowing part that was kind of like, shoot me! Like, I didn't... Yeah. I never saw the glowing part, though, because we never did the right thing to make him show his glowing oh orange. you had to yeah, activate then you had to like weakness. jump on his back and then pull it and yeah. then I had to shoot it oh and then wow I he finally that. falls in the lava and then you finally go up in this plane and then he comes out and he's like Chris yeah. and then it's like oh you're not dead yet see but you will have to play um, Umbrella Chronicles to it and if you're not going to be able to go back and play the old ones because I tried showing you guys the old ones what and you think maybe the graphics quality yeah, more of the horrible. time you're just yeah and the second one to... Leon just is not Leon I mean, he and has I like orange playing, hair, has, um... and he sounds like he's like seventeen. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh look, yeah, I zombies. think he was really young at the end or at yeah. the beginning of that. But I played like the third one, like Nemesis, yeah, yeah. on GameCube, and wow, it, I I just stopped playing because I was just laughing so hard at the graphics. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to go back. Huh? Yeah, and yeah. like the I don't know, the controls are just like really weird. Like it had like those like tank controls and mm -hmm. like inverted ones, but like they were. Different. Well, now if you think about it. Um, the controls for Resident Evil 5 are the same kind of controls, it's just where the camera is that makes it different. Yeah. Because well, yeah. really, when you push the stick to the right, the guy turns to his right. Mm -hmm. When you push the stick to the left, the guy turns to his left. Yeah. You push forward, he walks forward, you pull back, he walks back. The thing that makes it different in the previous games is they would put the camera in different places for like dramatic, you know, mm -hmm. horror movie camera angles. Kind of like obscure, but that... I got used to that with Obscure And Obscure, one and Obscure also too. let you, uh, it wasn't the same way, right? It, with Obscure, yeah. when you walk... It it was pretty much like how Resident Evil 5 was. Like You without push the, it in the direction yeah. you want the person to go. Like yeah. Silent Hill 2. Remember when we first started that one? Mm -hmm. Who played that? Was that you or That, that was me. Huh. When we first turned that on, at first you were like, what the heck? You know, you couldn't get that... He would be facing you, your character would be facing you, but you'd have to push up to get him to come closer to you because mm -hmm. it was all according to the character. Yeah. And then I went in the options menu and turned it to 3D menu, and then suddenly it made sense. Push mm -hmm. the stick in the direction according to the camera that you think that the character needs to move in, right? And, yeah. and then you could play it. Yeah, it is kind of like hard to explain, though, like how it's hard, mm -hmm. like difficult to move it, but it just is. Yeah. So I think that's actually a, a, a factor on a lot of old horror games that they had to get over and fix. Um, and I think when you first start Silent Hill 3, it actually defaults to the way that we ended up having to switch it to mm -hmm. in Silent Hill 2.
But in Resident Evil 4 and 5, it's really, the sticks are relative to the character, uh, but you don't notice it because the camera always hangs out right back over the character's shoulder. It's never yeah. like the camera's up here and you're like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So there's, yeah. it's that disconnect between the camera and the sticks, yeah. you know, location that threw you off. One question I have. Uh-huh. How come, like, in pretty much every Resident Evil, except for like three, uh-huh. you you have a partner, you know? But like, instead, but like, how come Leon never has a partner? Except uh-huh. for in number two. Well, and even in number two, when he had a partner, they didn't work together a lot. They had crisscrossing storylines where they mm-hmm. went in separate directions. Really, five was the first to really have a partner right there with you. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in Umbrella Chronicles, you can play a two-player with somebody right there with you. Uh, really, co-op is kind of a new thing for horror games. Yeah. I really enjoy the co-op, especially, yeah. like, they made it, like, at first it was really difficult when I first started playing Obscure 1 when we did, because, mm-hmm. like, it would change all the camera views, and it's not really what you're oh, used yeah. to, where I you can, like, that. move, like, the right analog stick and try to, like, change where you're viewing. And you ended up but, fighting like, over who, yeah, who has the who, camera. like, and if you press O, then it goes over to them, and... <laughs> But and they didn't have that in obscure. Walk off screen entirely. Yeah, in, in and then you'd have to figure out where to go. But like in obscure the aftermath, they didn't have that feature, so you kind of just had to like stick together. Even though it was mostly me playing obscure too. And, Did it let like, you walk off the screen? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you couldn't but, switch the camera back and forth between uh, which. No, I don't think you couldn't. But you no. have to. There was like no way you could figure out how to do it. Like you could only like change who's who. Oh yeah. But mm. like it really was creepy in the beginning of Obscure the Aftermath because like you like go into this like okay well you're like in, at this party thing or something or about ready to go there mm-hmm. and you go to this guy named Seven's place and you learn more about him throughout the game. And you but, sit this flower and then yeah all of a sudden like uh, it like makes you have, like, this nightmare. Yeah. It, like, m- knocks you out, and then you start having nightmares about this, and then you wake up in, like, this forest, and you have to go through this graveyard, mm-hmm. and then oh. you're with, uh, like, Corey and May are going through there, and then all you have is a baseball bat, but May doesn't have anything to defend herself, but, like, and then you see this thing carrying this body into this, like, um, shaft where you have to, like, climb down a ladder to go down, mm-hmm. and then th- they go through, like, this, like, house thing, right. like, well, underground, and it's, like, a bunch of, like, it's kind of like all together. It's just like a bunch of images from what you're gonna yeah, see later in the game, hmm. like the hospital a lot, and um, wow. like I don't know. So, and then, so like see... foreshadowing of stuff that yeah. comes later. Yeah, on. then you see yeah. like all the people, like all their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the ones that die. Yeah, that do one... die. You see them, and they're saying like, "Where's the other half of me?" And like they're all saying like. Something that the flower did to them, and then you go at the end, and all these faces are popping up, and the walls are, like, oozing blood, and then you finally get to, like, the end of this hallway, and it's, like, whispering all these things you would creep you out, and then you have to fight these, like, two things that come out of the walls, and they're, like, these big monster things that you would see in Obscure 1, like, right. like these really huge things that mouth, like, opens in, like, four different ways, and ugh. Yeah. But then you see Amy which is another one of the main characters in Obscure the Aftermath, that's, like, laying on the flower, and she's, like, saying how she's, like, free or something now, and then, like, huh. you if you click on her and you see her, then the monsters come out, and you have to die. Like, there's no way you can yeah. kill those. Like, uh, it makes one of you die. Like, so, similar to the first game where where you first take control of 
this character who climbs down in the basement yeah. after his gym bag gets stolen. Yeah, yeah and once and I you just... really can't beat that part. Mm-mm. Well, you can beat it. Like, I was just playing and I killed the thing, but then uh-huh. you can finally make it over back to where you climbed in the ladder, but then somebody puts, like, a box on it in, in a video, so you can't uh-huh. get out. Like, Kenny uh-huh. can't get out, but, like... So it is kind of structured like a horror movie in that there's some horrible... Yeah. You know, fate, fate at yeah. the beginning. They should really make a movie out of those. I you really guys really did enjoy those games. Yeah, I mean, they have a really good line, like a storyline. Yeah, like, it'd be a good movie. Yeah, if you if you play it, it would make more sense why it's so good, because, like, other people probably think, oh, that'd be really dumb, because they're, like, whatever. But, like, I don't know, I think I would really enjoy it. Like, after you yeah. play the game, you just want to see it all happen, like what you did, mm-hmm. see it, like, actually happen. Um, watch somebody else play. Well, that yeah. was Sabrina's experience, actually. She watched you play yeah. number two a little more, and she said she would uh, drop in and out mm-hmm. for the, the boss, boss battles, battles and, help, yeah. and for some of the puzzles. And the hey. last one was difficult, too. Folks, we'll be right back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast. No, no, okay. How we probably won't use Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> I probably yeah. am just going to use video game music. If there's a good track from Obscure, I'll put oh, it on there. There are some good tracks. Hey, uh, Internet, we're back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast again. We're with my daughter, Sabrina, and our friend, Hannah. By the way, Hannah, I didn't get you to uh, give yourself an introduction. How old are you? Oh, I am 13 years of age. Okay, and when? what are your earliest memories uh, playing video games? Um, I don't really remember. I haven't played video games for too long until I got a PlayStation. Well, actually, I got an Xbox when I was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, old. I started playing this, um, like, snowboarding game called Amp 2, I think. Oh, yeah. You never um, played Amp 2. Yeah, I know. No, I remember that game where I would... Uh, that snowboarding game, remember? I mean, oh, you're like, thinking of SSX. Sh- That's the one. That no, we it, it's, amped, it's a snowboarding game. Yeah, on, on this, Xbox, there's this one, one called SSX game yes yeah, that's ssx tricky was the one that we had what was it yes. for again uh for gamecube and when you got into super boost mode it would play the ll cool j i think it's ll cool j it's tricky to walk all around and walk. okay Possibly. anyway yeah that's <laughs> i've just embarrassed myself on the internet that's okay I <laughs> i'll just sure take sabrina the as well oh well sabrina would you like to uh give a demonstration of the obscure monster noises you have to help me i will i shall do that um well, there there's are a, there's monsters in obscure, and they make rather odd noises. Yes, a variety of monsters that make different noises. You yes, know? there there's this big fat one, and I won't go into complete detail of what I think it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's like red or whatever, and whenever it like hits the ground, it makes a big stomping noise. But when it comes, it's like, and it's like, and then it's walking. It's like, it's like, oh my god, what is that? And terrifying. Then, uh, oh, remember the um one that shoots out spiders? You know the oh the one that. Yeah. Looks like a spider that has a tentacle coming out. Yeah, of the, I won't uh, go into detail. Yeah, uh, again, not. <laughs> so there's not some disturbing really imagery like, in the game. Yeah, a well, bit. if you have minds like us, it it, it really does. <laughs> you take it in the complete opposite way as most people probably would, but that makes weird noises. Well, it's like. Rrr! 
Well, one of the things that I uh, noticed while you guys were playing Resident Evil 5 is that, I mean, it really did scare you at times. You guys would jump and scream and have yeah. a good old time with it. Also in Obscure 2, yeah. Yeah, Obscure 2 as well. Especially. And you're going back and, and uh, retrying the first one, right? Yes, you're not going to let that dead end stop you, are no. you? No, but like, because, okay, so me and Sabrina were playing Obscure 1, and then we made it really, really, really far. Like, we were almost probably done with the game. And then we got to this part where we, like, because we kept just rewriting, like, the save file, and so we didn't have, like, any ammo or, like, any health, and so there was really no way you could kill, like, all these things, because there were, like, four of them that came up to you, and they were, like, these huge things, there was mouth open in, like, many different ways, and, like, but anyways... So um, by by saving and always overriding yeah. your previous save file, you ended up in yeah, a kind of a corner. Yeah, bad idea. If you're going to play that, then make sure you save over every different file. And then once you, say, get to like 10, then rewrite like the first file, just in uh-huh. case you need to go back and Same get Same thing stuff. with Resident Evil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much good tactic for any game. Well, I Resident think so. Evil, like... Not 5, though. It doesn't let you do that, does it? No, you no. just like, you'll get uh, pretty much... You don't really get to save whenever you want. Mm-hmm. It's you either save after. Oh, that's right. It's like it's either you oh, can. Yeah. It's you either, hit like a checkpoint, and then yeah. you'd like that's if you turn different off the console, four and five. Like, yeah. yeah, if you turn off the console, it'll like start over from like the last, like the beginning of the yeah. chapter. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you keep it on, then it'll just start from the checkpoint. Yeah. So uh, but, obscure the aftermath is from a company called Ignition Entertainment. Uh, in terms of publishing. And they also, uh, the version you guys played was PlayStation 2, but they also had a version for the Wii. Yeah. With, like, motion yeah, controls and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They have now, one for the, oh, sorry, but oh, the you, DS. Go ahead. P- PC and... And uh, yeah, PSP have, as well. Yeah. Um, now, do you think that the Wii controls would add anything significant to you? I mean, the 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 camera angle wouldn't be so that you're aiming and shooting at the screen like you would with the Wii. So I imagine you would get the same kind of controls where, you know, it's like shake the remote to get something off you. Do you think yeah. that would add anything to it for you? You know, I don't really know. doesn't really seem like it. Like, because, you know, I kind of played, like, more with Obscure the Aftermath. So, like, I don't know. It's like, I think it would kind of make it harder cause, than what I'm used to. Because usually you don't really need to shake things off in Obscure. Uh-huh. Like, you just, if it grabs onto you, you're kind of screwed. Like, uh. either you can shoot it or you're just dead. And But, like, I don't know. The one I didn't like about Obscure 1 is that, like, if you died, then you'd just go back to, like, the, one of the other characters that's alive. Uh-huh. But, like, with Obscure the Aftermath, like, you just have to start over oh, okay. before you last saved. And, like, you have to pick up discs in the first one in mm-hmm. order to save. Otherwise, you just, like, don't save. Ooh, see, that's an old Resident Evil trick where you have limited amount of items that you can yeah, use to and save. Yeah, it was also, like, when she was playing... Obscure the Aftermath, you had to touch a flower that yeah, only well, came up in certain places. Um, you could only touch it once. I think it was either... I think it was, um... Resident Evil 3, mm-hmm. where you had to, like, find a typewriter thing, but you yeah. also had to, like, some had yeah. to have some ink, ink ribbon. Thing. Yeah, the ink ribbons. Yeah. I yeah. that sucked. I, you know, they used to use a lot of tricks like that. Like, the original Resident Evil also had very uh, hard-to-find ammo. You would always be running into zombies, and, you you know, you'd be out of everything. You'd just yeah. be trying to run around them, and... That was where they first came up with the name of these type of games, Survival Horror, because surviving it was hard, and part of the scary feeling was, can I even make it through this game? But that isn't really what, 
you guys enjoy about the game. That really frustrated you when it came yeah. to Obscure 1, right? Mm-hmm. And Obscure 2, because if you, like, didn't find that flower, then you're screwed. And you can't, just, like, sometimes you can't go back and just get the flower if you saw it before. Like, if you see a flower, if you're playing it, touch it. Like, if it says, like, do you want to touch the flower, then touch it. Like, it might seem like a bad idea, but it saves, so... Mm. Because you can't just save whatever you want to. And then I remember at one point we thought touching the flower made it so we saw there were more monsters. There were more monsters, and then we went through, and then like we made it really far, and then I died. Oh. And then so I had to start completely over, and just make sure you touch the flower. That's yeah. my advice. Because I don't think any I don't think anybody likes to play games anymore where you lose a lot of progress and mm-hmm. have to go back and repeat. Especially a scary game. Like if you're going to have to see a section that's scary... It's only scary, really startling the first time, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Then you know where the monster's coming from, yeah, you know? Yeah, you know what it looks like, know what it sounds like. Right. So I think uh, our, our <laughs> collective suggestion to horror game designers would be, you know, make your game scary, but don't make it scary from the viewpoint as a player of, am I going to have to do this over? Yeah. That's cause... scary just in wasting your time. Yeah, that just, like, frustrates you. Because if you make it really far, then you, like, die. And then you can't just go back from where you last wanted to save. Then mm-hmm. I think they should just have it, like, not autosave or anything. Or have to find something in order to save. Just, like, save whenever you want to. Cause... Well, do you think the autosaving in Resident Evil 5 was alright, though? Well, that was good because... Yeah. I, yeah, I like that part. Like, they should do that more. But not where you have to find something in order to save. Yeah, yes. I don't like that. Especially when it's really difficult to find. Which they do make it like that some in some parts in Obscure 1. But, like, you have to really look around for the disc. Right, right. Well, I think it it sounds like it's a good idea what they've done with the Resident Evil series on the Wii, putting it out in in a way that you can play co-op, you can play it shooter, it's a little more action-focused, because you guys are just probably not going to have much patience to go back and play through that old-style survival horror game. I mean, if you were going to try one, I would suggest the Resident Evil 1, the remake on the GameCube that we showed you. That was the one that had the very modern realistic uh looking graphics on it but yeah, it's got the same thing works. find those ink ribbons not much ammo uh and uh even though it has some more control options available to it it's tank control forward turning even though the camera doesn't drive with what direction you're facing yeah. and make it really Difficult. easy to understand yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of co-op gaming, one of the things I did notice is you guys would like fight. You would yeah. be yelling at each other and screaming, and I did it. You said to get the thing, and then yeah, like, I found that gun first, so it's mine. And I was afraid you guys were just gonna like get in a real fight, but then I'd come up a few minutes later, and it was pure cooperation. You were focused. Yeah, together. we were just like not even talking, yeah. we were just like looking on the screen, like get that. Like, See, don't, I've never shoot had that, that experience in co-op, you know, where I could uh, uh, yell at who I'm playing with co-op, yeah. you know, maybe because I'm, you know, my experience with the podcast from last week and editing together is I'm far and away the loudest member of the family. Maybe you guys will rival me for this segment a little bit with yes. those noises. But uh, last week I blew everybody out of the water. So maybe my voice is just big, too big, loud and scary. And I know your mom probably, Sabrina, is not into that at all. You know, me going, get over there and do that. And she's like, fine, you do it. And gets up, walks away. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, how did you guys manage to keep it at such a high intensity level and yet still be cooperating? Well, probably because we just were so determined to beat it. Just yeah. determined to get past yes. it. Otherwise, like, I mean, because... 
one of us could just walk away, but then both of us had the same, like, determination to just get through it. And, mm-hmm. like, so we kind of just, like, let it go and forgot about it. Because, like, I remember this one particular fight from when we were playing Obscure 1. Like, I found the shotgun, and then you're like, but I saw it first! <laughs> like, but no, I want it. I picked it up. And you're like, but I want it! I got it first! I saw it! And then we're, like, yelling at each other for, like, five minutes. And then I'm like, fine, just have the gun. And then... When, like, five minutes later, I find another one, so I'm like, oh, well, oh. that was a waste of time. <laughs> That's pretty fun. <laughs> hey, so... Just uh, you guys know I don't really laugh like that. Yes, right. she does. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in terms of co-op, playing games co-op, since there is a limited selection of horror games that actually have co-op play... What do you think about one-player games? Is there a way to cooperate on those, to be able to play through those, working together? Uh, or, or is it really just too much of a bummer not be able to drop in and control a separate character? Well, well, it, I mean, it, it works, but just it's not the same. Because, like, if you get a really hard part, all the other person can do is just, like, oh, shoot it there, shoot it there. You know, you can't mm-hmm. actually be there like, and, like, help it. out. Yeah, but, yeah. like... It was kind of helpful because, like, when you were, like, watching me play Obscure the Aftermath, you know, mm-hmm. like, you would tell me if there was something that I didn't see, mm. like, over yeah. in, like, this corner or something, even though you could drop in with that game, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you just didn't really want to ever, so, but I understood because it was a lot easier when there wasn't a partner because then they don't get lost off the screen and it's like, oh, yeah. where are you? But, like, I actually think it can kind of be either or, like, it kind of just depends on, like, what your playing tactics are, mm-hmm. like. Have you guys ever tried, like taking turns, swapping off. You try this guy this time, you know, since I killed me and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, we've tried yeah. that lock picking. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, because if we couldn't pick the lock, then, like, well, you did drop in a couple times and we were just, mm-hmm. like, running around, but that, we realized that didn't really work that well. So, right. by the way, it's not recording. Did it freeze? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Hello, everybody. We're back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast. I'm sitting here with Noah and with Sabrina. Um, Sabrina, our segment we were recording with uh, Hannah earlier got kind of interrupted. We thought it had frozen, but it hadn't. Those folks who are listening to the podcast after the end credits can maybe find a couple of bonus clips that we'll put on there from that moment. But we were mostly talking about multiplayer uh, co-op and, and competitive gaming, although we don't really have a lot of competitive that goes on inside this family. We don't usually play a lot of competitive games, but we will tackle some of those. I wanted to finish up and finalize the, the bits that we were talking about with uh, you and Hannah, and I wanted to uh, ask you, I wasn't sure if I, I had it on my list, but I couldn't remember if I'd asked you, do you think it's the the co-op with Hannah that has gotten you into playing those co-op horror games or do you think it's the horror more that's gotten you playing probably the co-op really more than the horror probably yeah well do you think that you guys would be interested in playing some of the other co-op games that we have that aren't horror maybe but I mean it kind of depends on what it's about like I mean I don't really think we'd be all that into you know dragons and lair or something any of the uh, dungeon hacks that your mom and I have played together huh now uh the thing is, though, you haven't been able to get Hannah to play. Like, when we left off last time and got done recording, you know, I was, like, suggesting maybe you guys play the Resident Evil shooters on the Wii, but she was mm-hmm. like, no, no. When, when she beats Obscure again, then she'll probably play other stuff, but... Okay. Well, at first she wanted to play that, and you didn't want to, and then I suggested, I was like, why don't you go ahead and give in and play the game 
that she wants to play. And how did that work out? What game? That was Obscure, when she wanted to play Obscure and you wanted to play Resident Evil. Because part of the oh. thing about multiplayer is you have to agree on the same game, right? Yeah. Well, how did it work out? Pretty good. Yeah? You guys went back and played the first Obscure? Yeah, again. Uh -huh. And we got past way past that part that we were stuck at. Oh, yeah? Way past it. We well, like almost finished with it. Why were you stuck at that part? Can you tell what it was? I, I just don't think we really knew the techniques that well. Uh-huh. Like, just, I, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's, yeah. Was it in the combat, or? Yeah. In the fighting, you said there were, like, four big monsters? Or yeah, something? there were, like, th two. Uh -huh. And they were just like, I don't know, was, we, I think we forgot to just do some stuff. Hmm. Well, that was, uh, I thought that that was kind of an example of uh, maybe wanting to play something else and having your friend insisting on this certain game and how when you, uh, when you give in and go, all right, fine, we'll play the game you want to play, it can still turn out to be good, a good experience. Yeah. So I just, she needs to get over the her obscure thing i mean to play other games and, and not just obscure over and over again yeah that would get kind of boring hopefully she'll branch out so there um there haven't been a lot of multiplayer competitive games that we've played against each other as a family have we no now can you think of any that maybe i haven't thought of or like were there games other than conquers that you and noah would play against each other Mario Kart. Mario Kart? Yeah. yeah. On 64? Super Smash Bros. Super Smash Bros. Oh, you and Hannah played some of that uh, this yeah. last weekend, right? Yeah, so did That, was, so that wouldn't surprise me. It was out of the blue. Why did you guys I pick that one? I just thought of it. Like, playing, used, I, when I used to play it, I was like, oh, I won't play it. Did she have a good time with it? Yeah. That's cool. <clears throat> Another one that we would play, and that was Super Smash Bros. Brawl on the Wii. And did you re oh, yeah. notice it being much different from your memories of Melee? Yeah, some of the um, levels were different. Uh huh. Um, now, other games, though, that have worked out pretty well on the Wii are um, Wii Sports yep. and Wii Play. Yeah. Can you remember uh, any experiences playing those? Because those are obviously very popular. Bowling was my favorite. Yeah, I yes. like bowling. I don't really say how bowling is a sport, though. I do think the bowling was the best on there. <laughs> Millions of bowlers everywhere are like, what? <laughs> but uh, the bowling was the one that seemed like the motion control got the closest to... Uh... Yeah. yeah. Another one that came out with that I want to get uh, sometime soon is the Wii Sports Resort. Do you yeah, have some interest in that? Like... Yeah, I want to get that. I heard that was pretty good. And that also has the Wii Motion Plus thing. Right, the little add-on that makes it so you can mm -hmm. do Frisbee. and It's perfectly yeah, accurate. Well, uh, any other competitive or co-op or multiplayer memories you want to button up uh, or other places that you want to take that kind of game? That one game. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't all have to be video games. I mean, you guys used to play. In fact, one of the ideas that I was thinking of suggesting that we do is actually, I don't think we'll do this podcast uh, every week. We might do it every other week. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I was thinking we could try to do was come up with like a family game night where we actually pick a board game or some sort of other game that we can try to play. Now, we can tell this to the internet because they won't spoil the surprise, but uh, one of the 
presents that we got your mom for her upcoming birthday is uh, seen it The Simpsons. And yeah. we've all seen plenty yeah, of The yeah. Simpsons, and so we might all be so, good yeah. at oh, a trivia yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. I thought that might be a fun. I thought we already had a... Oh, wait, no, I'm we thinking of Clue. Yeah, we have Clue. Simpsons Clue, oh, yeah. which might not be a bad idea to play also. Yeah, that was fun. But I, I thought we could start out like a family game night on seeing it The Simpsons and come back and mm -hmm. report to everybody our experiences playing something non-video uh, yeah. game. Another thing that would be cool to um, play would be Pictionary. Pictionary, uh, yeah. yeah. The game's so fun. Or that, like, one clay game, or what's it called again? The... Oh, yeah. Oh, Cranium. Cranium, yeah, I like that game. Yep, yep. Well, cool. So that sounds like an idea that everybody would enjoy. Uh, we could also make it a family game night with video games. Yeah, like if you want. If we had Wii Sports Resort, or we can just uh, mix it up. Mm -hmm. If you guys uh, out there on the internet have any suggestions for us on what would be good for a family game night, you know, we take uh, suggestions or emails at Happy Game Family at yahoo.com. Uh, we'll be happy to consider any suggestions. Well, so uh, next time Hannah comes over, are you guys planning on playing anything? Have anything in mind? Probably she's going to want to play Obscure. You guys are on the last chapter, so yeah. that'll be over with pretty soon. Yeah. Hopefully you can distract her after that. Yes, I hope I can. Cool, cool. And we'll be right back with the Happy Game Family Go podcast. <laughs> Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. I'm sitting here with my son, Noah. Noah, how are you doing? Good. Good. You're a little tired, aren't you? Yeah. Because you had a, what? A, a lock-in. A lock-in last night with a church uh, youth group. Yeah. How was that? It was pretty fun. Yeah? You guys play some games there? Yeah. Not video games, though, right? No, just, like, games. That's good. What games. kind of games? I don't know. Um, well... We played a bunch, but my favorite was called Zombies. Uh-huh. And pretty much what you think it is, like, there's one person who starts out as a zombie, and there's a bunch of other people that are survivors, and they just go running around, and they have to hide. And when the zombies find you, like, and they can only walk, the zombies, they mm -hmm. can't run. Right. And the survivors get a flashlight to shine at the zombie, and if they shine it at whoever's a zombie and says their name, they can't move for 10 seconds. Okay. So then that gives you, like, a chance to run, and it's fun. Yeah, cool. And so then if the zombie catches you, do you then become, yeah, you a, zombie? become a zombie? I think that sounds like some uh, online multiplayer mods I've heard of. But yeah. it's real playing multiplayer in the same room. <laughs> with multiple players. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, you know, that's actually kind of the uh, theme of the podcast I was kind of hoping to make this particular podcast about our co-op and multiplayer experiences a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we like to multiplay as a family when we can, which is not really something uh, that we do online. I know that as I've been listening to other podcasts from uh, some of the other people that I listen to, you seem to be groups of guys in their 20s. Yeah. Really get down on a game if it doesn't have online multiplayer. It's got to have that online yeah. multiplayer from them, you know, to care about it. Um, and I think over the years, that's one of the things that I've I've appreciated from Nintendo and some of the other developers, making sure that, you know, there's also multiplayer you can play in the same room with yeah. somebody that you're with, you know? Yeah. 
we actually, I think maybe even since we started this podcast, maybe it got people thinking about playing together a little bit more. And we, this weekend, played a few more multiplayer games that we hadn't done in a while. Yeah. Uh, what did we bust out? We busted out Conker's Bad Fur Day. and Conker's Live and Reloaded and... Mostly those. And then yeah. you and I, we played some more uh, New Super some Mario Brothers Wii. Um, which I gotta say is... Uh, we, first of all, we were overconfident and we over-reported <laughs> our progress last week. Yeah. Um, because we were only on World 4 yeah. when we said we were like, oh, 6 or 7 or something. Except... Then when we got to World 6, we got, like, two levels into that, and then we got to use that cannon thing for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, we hit a warp. Yeah. We're, we're not like, sure why. We we went out a different exit that got us to a warp, and now we're on World 8. Yeah, which and is really hard. Huh? It is hard. It's all <laughs> lava and fire and rolling hills of lava. And I tell you what, I'm playing that game a lot like I remember old Mario, just jamming down on that turbo button yeah. and running, and you just you feel like you barely are surviving. I know, and you're, and you're like, how did I do that? Oh I'm my so god, bounce and jump and jump and... Okay, now I gotta wait two seconds and then jump and jump and jump and... You know, I think probably... I really am impressed by the design of that game because... I think we'll want to go through it and play it more than once because yeah. there's just all these little avenues and it reminds me of old Mario just finding all these little secrets in the levels that you never found before and yeah. going past something, you know, because you want to barely survive and see the end of the game, but you're like, I'm going to have to come back and see what was in that pipe or yeah. how are you supposed to get up and get that coin? Or... No. But I'm playing the Super Mario. Uh, that's one thing, one of the few games probably that we have that's multiplayer where you're on the same screen. Yeah. Um, can you even think of any other ones that we've played? No. The, the Pixel Junk Shooter we have to come uh, back yeah. to. Yeah. That was one. Yeah. And we do want to play that. Yeah. Multiplayer. It's just we, with our multiplayer time when we sit down, we're like, Mario! Yeah! Until <laughs> we beat it, at least. I don't know if we'll want to go back through it all one player or each, you know, split up and do different levels. Or... Yeah. So then uh, the other thing that we play, split-screen games we played were Conquer this weekend, uh, Bad Fur Day, and uh, then the Xbox version of the Conquer also. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, which one did you like better? I like the Nintendo version better because the only really, the only thing you do in the Xbox version is just war, but in the Nintendo version there's, like, a bunch of different modes so you can choose, like, deathmatch or you can also do war and you capture the flag and... Raptor. Raptor was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was a little scary with the sound effects. Yeah, when I mean, you would be <laughs> running around as that little caveman and see a raptor. Jumping in. Like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I noticed that. I felt like, uh, maybe the Xbox version of Conquer suffered online multiplayer yeah. obsession a little bit because, uh, all the, even the computer characters, which I don't care what made up name the computer character. I, I don't need to track which guy is what. Just give me a little red dot, and I know, I know he's on the other team, but no. The screen was full of all their little names, you know, because that was all made for the online multiplayer. Yeah. And also, I noticed that the radar, it wasn't just, like, flat on the screen. It was, like, tilted like this. Mm-hmm. Like, tilted, um... 
Or the, or the or, angle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Made it harder to read? Yeah, because there were so many people in the same place, and all the dots, when it's tilted, makes it look like they're, like, closer together. Yeah, you can't tell. Yeah. The other thing about it is is that, you know, your dad is a kind of a game collector, so I have library games, and that's part of what we enjoy, you know. Uh, let's go back and play this one that we played a long time ago. Yeah. You know, but... You know, maybe it's compatible on an Xbox 360, and and but I doubt there's a big population of people playing Conquer Live and Reloaded still yeah. online on Xbox 360. So if they made all these decisions to support the online multiplayer, let's have everybody's little nickname on there, even if they're just a computer player. Clogging up the screen, you can't tell what you're looking at necessarily. You're looking at names. Yeah. And all of that... You know, years later, you hook that up with your family, it's no good to you compared to, you know, and you've got every multiplayer match was populated with, you know, a dozen guys on each side. Yeah. I barely ever saw when, you know, I, you'd walk by, oh, oh, there's no, there's no, you know, when you barely even knew we were in the same game I together, know. you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas the, uh, the Nintendo 64 version, to go back and play that, uh, you didn't need your name on it i mean i yeah. could tell it was you even in modes we played where we were like co-op the two cavemen versus actually three we added a computer didn't we yeah uh, versus the raptor um yeah, i knew it was you you know, know. And, uh the way you moved was human <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't just like all linear and then mm -hmm. immediately just turned it yeah. Like a 90 degree angle. <laughs> so it seemed like going back and playing it. Now I might, you know, I never did finish the single player on either of the Conquers, but... Uh, really? I didn't. Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, which one? Um, I think both. Oh wow. If not both, no, I think just Conquers Live and Reload. Yeah. But they're both the same, just... Better graphics yeah. on the Xbox. Well, I might go back and play those again, but I just, I don't see much value to the... Live and reloaded multiplayer. Yeah, me neither. You know, keeping it in your collection over time, especially, you know, if nobody's playing it on Xbox Live. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of companies are making maybe too many sacrifices to their online multiplayer uh, and not bearing in mind, you know, like co -op families and, and yeah, and co op multiplayer. Um, one of the things that I was thinking uh, that, made, that made me think about that is the the online multiplayer games that we have played. Um, like, for example, we talked a little bit last week about Left 4 Dead. Yeah. We both like that game. Yeah. But we can't like it together. I know, we can't play it together. Unless right. I made a new Steam account, and we bought Left 4 Dead 2 well, again. Steam's got me a little confused in that regard, and I tried to look it up on their help. And I didn't, I didn't quite find the answer I was looking for. And maybe if some listener out there wants to email me and set me straight. But okay, so there's a Steam account name that I set up, right? Yeah. And and that's one name. And then there's the username that we're playing under on Steam. Uh -huh. And right now we use uh, the Embarcus name for that. Yeah. But every time we log on to Steam, whether it's you or me, we're both playing online under that name. Yeah. Now, maybe there's a change user that I haven't found, and you could set up your own name to get your own achievements, to get your own, uh, you know, online stats and everything like that. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to enable 
you to log in on a different computer and be able to play online with me on Steam. You know, I, if they want me to buy a separate copy of the game, well, I'm used to, you know, for example, Nintendo trying to do that on a DS. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I know. Some, some of their games have game sharing where you can, you know, one game can download, play. Yeah, and then they're connecting. Yeah. Or, or same with the PSP, they have game sharing, although I really, I don't think I've seen it used very much. I think they might have it in Space Invaders Extreme, one of the games we have. Oh. But uh, I haven't really figured out a way to get multiplayer going with Steam games. Well, uh, I think what we'll have to do is try to multiplayer a Steam game somehow in the same house. Left for Dead, specifically. Yeah. I think it would be awesome if we could know, play it. Yeah. Co-op on the story mode. That would be so cool. Yeah, I would love to play that with you, but, you know, do I need a separate Steam account? Do I need a separate Steam username? Uh, maybe I'll investigate that, and we can come back and record some more and talk about it, because I'm looking at you now. And you're fighting off yawns, and you know, you're trying to keep up with the podcast. We're a little droopy, so I think maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll break our segment now and come back and record a little bit more tomorrow. tomorrow. You get a good night's sleep in you. Yeah. You slept like nine hours, but it was the wrong nine hours. I know. It? I slept at. I fell asleep at six forty-five, and I woke up at three. That's like eight hours, but it's not the right eight hours. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I can f- check out a way that we can do that and we could talk about it a little bit more and maybe let people on the internets know about it because uh, I'd love to be able to find an answer for that. Uh, I think that a lot of developers forget with their rush to the online multiplayer that it, it doesn't hurt to provide uh, uh, an in-house multiplayer. It might be on the Xbox version. Did you notice with Josh? Yeah, Josh and Zach were playing Left 4 Dead 2. They do have a split-screen version on uh, Xbox? Yeah. Ah. No. It's just not on the PC? Uh-uh. Well. But. I get, well, how are you going to hook up two people on a PC, I suppose? Yeah, on a PC, when we do figure out how to do multiplayer, mm-hmm. it won't be split-screen, so we both get our own screen. Yeah, there is that. got the big TV. That's how people used to play uh, Halo multiplayer. Oh. Halo 2 was the first one that was online multiplayer. Before that, people would have Halo parties. <laughs> Show up at each other's house with their own Xbox and their own TV set, you know? <laughs> System link them together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that developers don't forget. Obviously, Valve has, has thought about how to put it in there if they have split screen on the uh, Xbox version, so I didn't know that, but yeah. uh, I suppose maybe someday I'll have to get a 360. <laughs> well, yeah. unless we can figure out and how then, to get it going on PC. Yeah. Because I hate buying the same game For the, yeah. multiple times. Okay, uh, we'll come back on the uh, Happy Game Family Go podcast, folks. Uh, we're uh, recording some of our segments out of order, but I think we will follow this one up uh, with another one with Noah tomorrow after he gets a good solid night's sleep in him. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll be back, folks. Whoa! Uh, 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my son, Noah, again. We're picking up where we left off uh, earlier, quite a bit later than we thought we were going to be, because I was trying to get another segment recorded, but I think we'll push that forward uh, into a future podcast, because we're going to focus this one and keep it on multiplayer and co-op experiences, right, Noah? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So when we left off, we kind of had a rambly discussion and we touched on a few things. I want to correct one thing. We checked into it and uh, actually there is no split screen support in Left 4 Dead 1 or 2 on the Xbox. It's the same kind of thing. There's no local multiplayer support. It's only uh, online multiplayer. Right? Yep. Okay. So, uh... I think, uh, why don't we start out and run through some of the multiplayer, uh, and co-op experiences that we, uh, we actually organized ourselves a little better and went back and got a list. Uh, I think I'll start out because I got older memories. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking back on my early multiplayer experiences, uh, I mentioned sometime playing, uh, multiplayer with my parents when I was younger. Really, the only game that they ever wanted to play with me, my mom ever wanted to play with me, on the Atari 2600 was called Breakout, which was basically like Pong with a paddle at the bottom, and uh, you controlled the paddle with a paddle controller, and you knocked a ball up against a brick wall, and every time you uh, knocked it, you hit uh, a brick away from the wall, and that was the only game my mom was interested in playing. There were some other head-to-head games that I ended up playing with my brother, Gino. Uh, I mentioned that old console, the RCA Studio 2, the one with yeah. the keyboards last week. Yeah. We used to play that. We used to play bowling on that. They had a baseball cartridge on that that we used to play all the time, mm-hmm. too. Then as we got into Atari, he would play that a little bit with me. We played Combat, which uh, was an overhead tank shooting game. Oh, cool. And... Uh, Outlaw, which you had these giant, real blocky cowboys on either side of the screen, moving up and down, trying to shoot each other. An air-sea battle, which basically, uh, boy, that game had a lot of different modes. It had boat mode and airplane mode, and we always liked to play the airplane mode. In fact, if I remember right, one of our favorites involved three little planes versus one big giant plane. (laughs) And the giant plane had this huge bullet. You know, and you were trying to hit these little planes, and then the, yeah. the three little planes, they always had to go in the same direction. You know, they were always in formation, but they had, you know, triple shot. Yeah. So, uh, as I started to get older and got past uh, Atari, I had a buddy uh, named Jeff. Well, uh, he would come over and play on my Commodore 64. Uh, one of the games that we used to play all the time, and I, I this game seems to inform a lot of other games that I've seen since, like Pokemon and 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 almost like mech games where you're adding and buying on parts. Uh, it was called Mail Order Monsters. It was from Electronic Arts. And uh, you, you started out with your monster form. You know, it was a spider form or a reptile form or uh, a humanoid form. And then you bought different upgrades for its arms and its legs and its weapons. And you'd have this over map. That you'd run at each other, you know, and different monsters were faster on different types of terrain. Yeah. And then when you got in close to each other, uh, you would uh, zoom in and then shoot each other, you know, or bash each other or whatever yeah. it was. 
Um, and then another game that we used to play a lot that had similar combat, in fact, so similar that I uh, I wonder if it wasn't the same programmers or something, uh, it was called Archon, uh, and that one took place on a chessboard, kind of, but then when you two guys landed on the same screen, it'd zoom in, and you'd have to try to blast the other little sprite-based oh. monster. Yeah. Um, and then they put out a sequel on that called Archon 2. And let's see here. Why don't you, uh, you know, I could go on and on. I'll do one more. Jeff, uh, I had, uh, a bu my buddy Jeff I mentioned. I also had another buddy named Jason. And back in high school, we used to get together. And this was a, one of those scenarios where it's a single-player game, but we played it multiplayer. The first Sonic the Hedgehog. I can yeah. remember we beat, we just rented it. And so we just, because nobody had a Genesis, so we rented the Genesis then, oh. too. That was back when Blockbuster used to rent. Yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, they did that all the way up through uh, at least N64, maybe even GameCube and Xbox. They'd rent the actual console. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we rented that and, like, marathoned it in, like, two days. Just played and played to get through Sonic <laughs> all the way through to the end. Uh, then, you know, after that, it was the end of high school, and I went on to, uh, college, and there's some other games that I'll, I'll go through then, uh, a little bit. I used to play still with, uh, Jason, because he went to the same college as I did, but why don't you fill us in on some of your favorite, uh, multiplayer and co-op game memories? Alright, well, one of my favorite co-op game memories was, uh, Gauntlet on the GameCube. I played that with my friend Colin. And it's just like a game where it's a big adventure game and it's not third person or first person, it's overhead. Top down view, yeah. yeah. I played the, the the one that came out, you played Gauntlet Dark Legacy, right? Yeah. I, I played Gauntlet one. Legends, which What's... Dark Legacy was kind of a sequel to. I used to play it yeah. with your mom a bit. Yeah. I also played Bomberman a bunch with my friend Colin. For which console? GameCube. Oh, yeah. That was uh, Generations, then, I think. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, we used to play Bomberman Generations, and we would play two-player where there's four Bombermen, and they're all trying to kill each other with bombs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And each time you break a block, sometimes there's a power-up in it, more often than not. And... You're just trying to kill everyone, and yeah. me and Colin will always have a truce. <laughs> <laughs> and just to try to kill the uh, other computer yeah. opponents. Yeah. Was there supported team mode? or? Yeah, there was. That's cool. I remember we tried that on the uh, Nintendo 64 version, Bomberman 64. Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? Uh-huh. But it was, uh, it failed because it went so 3D that it, you weren't even in a grid form. Yeah. It was all loose and air all over the place, and I so... Know. It was really a lot harder to tell when you were going to bomb somebody or get bombed. or. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. And another game that I played a lot with Colin was Mario Party. Uh-huh. Yeah, we used to... Actually, we played that a couple times as a family, right? Yeah. But uh, I think maybe the... Why didn't we play it more together? Was it because it took so long? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Because the games, they do take a long time. Unless you choose, like, just, like, ten rounds. But that still takes, like, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. 
and I saw you 60 rounds. Oh, jeez. So it's like a like three-hour three Mario hours, Party yeah. marathon. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and the other thing I can remember about Mario Party was was that it really seemed kind of random. You know, you could be playing really good, but then... Oh, yeah, I know. And then something would happen. Like, you would get hit by another guy that had a certain power-up that would, like, take three of your stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even if you thought you were winning, you'd get to the end and there'd be this, like, decision mode. Yeah, like how many times people lost games, how many times people lost a bunch of coins. So even if you had the most stars, sometimes you wouldn't win. Yeah. So that would be frustrating, especially if you put a lot of hours in. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay, let me fill in a couple of my college memories. Um, I mentioned I, I used to play games with Jason a lot yeah. in college. And one of the games that uh, he came up maybe about a year uh, to the same school that I went to. Uh, and we used to, uh, I used to drive the, uh, back down into town and visit him every once in a while. We go out to the arcade because what we were obsessed with at the time was cyberball hmm. and cyberball was, was robot football. And you basically, there was no downs. There was no first down or anything like that. There was no 10 yard thing. You had like a certain number of plays to get across the middle of the, of the, uh, the football field to defuse the ball because it heated up every play. Oh. Um, and then after you got across the middle, you had a certain number of plays to get in the end zone and score. And if you didn't, the ball would heat up and heat up until it got critical. And then the next time one of your robot guys got tackled, boom, and it explode <laughs> and kill your guy. <laughs> so we played a lot of cyber ball. And then at some point I had another friend in college named Greg. And Greg was out in uh, Asia one time because Greg, uh, I don't know, his family had a lot of money or something. Uh, so he traveled a lot more than I remember traveling. He was out in Asia and he bought me a Mega Drive as a present. Hmm. And that was the uh, Japanese Genesis. Oh. So uh, on that Mega Drive, for a while you could play American games on it. They didn't have it locked out. Oh. Um, and one of the early ones that we picked up was Madden 93 which was really the only Madden that I ever got into playing because yeah. Jason always wanted to play Madden. Every time he came over, he was like, let's play some Madden. <laughs> so we play lots of Madden. It was real similar to Cyberball. I mean, you had three plays that you picked out of uh, every down. You know, uh, it had you know, more traditional football rules, but the view was pretty similar. Um, and uh, even though guys couldn't explode... Uh, yeah. if somebody ran a really good play and you tackled him, you know, and while you're waiting for the next play to come up, you could tackle him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, get your frustration out. Uh, which, you know, we rented Madden 94 at one point and popped it in and started playing and doing our thing. And I ran a really good play on him and he tackled my guy. And then while we were waiting for the next play, he went and tackled me again and, here come the bell. Unnecessary roughness. We were like, oh, no, that's too real. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been my feeling about Madden ever since. Just too real. Yeah. And too complicated. So Madden 93 was the last Madden I ever played uh, significantly. One other memory about that time period uh, was another single-player game. Uh, funny, this kind of similar to the way we played through Sonic 1. Greg and I, we rented a... Uh, Super Nintendo 
and just uh, what they call poop socked it. We just you know, put <laughs> put ourselves in a room for two three days until we beat Super Mario World. Yes. Played it all the way through. Took take turns swapping off. Hey, you're better at this part. Do that. You're better at that part. Yeah. Got through. All right. What about you? Anything more? Um. Well, Paper Mario was like what you were saying with Super Mario. Mm-hmm. Um. Colin and I, we would just switch off with it. Like, you're better with these kinds of parts, you know, like you were saying. Right, right. Because it wasn't a co-op or it wasn't two-player at all, so... Yeah, the old six, uh, N64 Paper Mario? Uh, no, the GameCube one and the N64 one, though. Yeah, 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 both of those. Yeah. And we played Halo multiplayer, which we would play co-op. I think so. It was co I haven't played it in a long time. Right, right. But I'm pretty sure we played on co-op. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't really do the story. Uh -huh. We would just kind of go around and try to kill any guys that we found. And we would kill all of our teammates and stuff. <laughs> and we were shooting down all the ghosts and the vehicles. Kind of open-worlding it, even yeah. though it was an open world. Just yeah. do what you want to. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I, I noticed that you wrote down on your list uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Rock Band. <laughs> Can't believe we forgot to talk about that already. That's something yeah. we had a lot of fun with. Uh, we had some old neighbors yeah. uh, named Josh and Natalie, and she'd always want to come over and play Guitar Hero. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, it got to be something that you and I played. In fact, the only one we haven't been able to get to play that at all is Mom. She just doesn't yeah. want to have anything to do with it, but that's okay. But uh, rock band really opened it up for you because you got a lot more interest in drumming maybe than guitaring. Yeah, I, I always used to give you a hard time on guitaring though because you would you would I used sit to down. Play it as a piano. <laughs> yeah, and then for a while you were playing it with a controller. Yeah, and it's like what the heck? Why are you playing it with a controller? It's, now that it's, makes no sense. Now I play it normally. <laughs> but no, it was cute. You'd sit down and you'd have that guitar in your lap, and it's like uh, those country guys with their slide guitars, you know, yeah. rocking out. But um, with rock band, me, my friend Calvin, my old neighbor, and my friend Blake and I. We used to play rock band all the time. Blake mm -hmm. would sing, Calvin would play the guitar, and I would um, drum. Yeah. And he would just, Blake would come over, and Calvin would come over, and we would just play for like six hours until they had to go home or I had to go to bed or anything. Yeah, or yeah. That one summer, that lost summer. Yeah, of, of I can never. 2008 or whatever yeah. it was. That's cool. Yeah, I used to play that same summer. Uh, Natalie was pretty much the only one who wanted to play Guitar Hero with me, and we would, uh, man, we would play all kinds of games, and then we would reach a point where we wanted to play Freebird. All right, it's time uh, to do Freebird. Yeah. <laughs> Hit up that Freebird again, and the, that song was so frustrating because you know it'd be so regular for the longest time, and the crazy stuff didn't start happening until the end, yeah. and then it would really yeah. start to get crazy. And, well, we got so that we we would we wouldn't fail out at the end at least, you know. Oh, yeah. um, okay, well, let me hit up some other uh, some multiplayer memories I remember. Now we talked about Nintendo sixty four a bit. That was really a game that brought in a lot of multiplayer. Um, I can remember playing with Mikey in the basement of this house, Mario Kart sixty four. 
playing GoldenEye on that. That was all hardcore multiplayer stuff. Nobody was all that interested in playing. I mean, I think Mikey did get obsessive with the GoldenEye and play it through and try to beat the double O agent on the single player missions. I uh, was fine not doing all that. We played a lot of multiplayer on that, Mario Kart 64. He also had um, Diddy Kong Racing. That's a game that I don't even have in my library. I'd still like Uh to get it sometime because we played a lot of multiplayer on that. And there were single-player games that he and I played together on that, too. Uh, Resident Evil, uh, the first one, and number two, I can remember. We we played through number two together, taking turns, back and forth. My experience is that multiplayer fun doesn't have to be in a multiplayer game, you know? If you get the right mix of people in just the right game, they can sit down and co-op with you on a single-player game, but... Yeah. It happens a lot less often than a multiplayer game, though. Multiplayer, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a delicate balance, I think, between how fun a game is to watch uh, versus how fun it is to play. Because a lot of games, you know, they're not much fun to watch, especially you know when you're watching somebody play and they get stuck and yeah. they're doing you watching the same section know, over and over. It's so boring. Uh, you just don't even want to yeah, do like, it. Here, you know? let me try. <laughs> I like, can do know, it. I can do it. You're like, no, you can't. It's your if you could have done time. it, you'd have done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back a, a little bit more. Uh, knowing me on a Happy Game Family podcast, let you guys know what we figured out on our mystery of uh, whether or not we can multiplayer our Steam games. Uh, And so make sure you come on back and join us on the Happy Game Family Go! Podcast. Everybody and welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. <laughs> hey, uh, sitting here, we're still uh, working. Me and Noah, right now, we uh, we're still continuing on our multiplayer co-op and multiplayer competitive focused episode. Uh, Noah and I already covered uh, some things that we think about multiplayer games. We we talked a little bit about what we think makes a good multiplayer game and illustrated as our example uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day for N64 versus Conker's Live and Reloaded for Xbox uh, primarily talking about how from a family viewpoint uh, you know we're sad to see a lot of multiplayer games become internet only focused uh, yeah. that we think that that focuses you know pretty much just on one really narrow group of gamers and doesn't really take care of a family it might be gaming in the same room um let's see we also talked about how uh you know even like i mentioned with that conquers even with the very same game uh you know it's nice if you can turn off the bots the other players you know slim it down to just the number of people who are actually playing in the room if you're gonna have a split screen mode um you know it's nice if you can get rid of the name displays if those aren't necessary uh if you're not playing online um what else did we talk about 
uh, I don't know, Noah, what is, what else are, uh, let's wrap up that topic and, and what other, what are your impressions, what the best things are in a multiplayer game, whether it's co-op or, or, uh, uh, competitive, what, what makes a good one versus what makes it not good? I, I think what a good co-op game <laughs> is, is a split screen game where you're doing your whole mission stuff and it's not like... If one player moves too far away, then it's like you can't move any further until your teammate gets closer. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. Like with Halo, you just kind of you just kind of have to follow while you're the other person playing. Like the second player usually follows the first player, and mm -hmm. I like split screen games like that. And what I like about multiplayer games, not co-op, like versus or whatever, is pretty much the same thing, except you're not following each other. Mm -hmm. It's split screen, and you... When there's there's one side and there's the other side, there's, like, a fortress for one team, and there's a fortress for the other team. Mm -hmm. Like in Conquerors, um, with the... How, when we played Team Deathmatch, yeah. we did it on that one map, Colors. Right, right. Yeah, because there's, like, a base for the green... for the squirrels, and a base for the tates. So, like... Versus games like that. Yeah. Um, now, what about, like, competitive games? I notice we don't actually do a lot of that uh, within our family. I can remember days playing in the arcades uh, when I used to play uh, Street Fighter Two and, and Mortal Kombat. And, you know, I can see the appeal of the Internet on competitive modes because you're just going to run across random people and compete yeah. against them. And so... You know, you don't get the kind of situation that you do when it's a family, you know, where if if one player's really better than the other, then all you have to look forward to is... Just getting killed. Yeah, over and over and over again. No, sometimes that's my experience on the internet. I get on the internet, and it's clear there's Some guys with... Yeah, and lots more free time, and, yeah. you know, I want to mute out their speech. Like I mentioned uh, when I was talking about... Uh, Call of Duty Classic last week, um, wishing that in the multiplayer mode there there was options to go in there and just mute out individual players' headsets yeah. or all of their headsets at once, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that's critical that you be able to take... And I think they have that in Left 4 Dead, don't they, where you can... I think... I'm not sure. Well, I think if they don't, they ought to. You got yeah. to be able to highlight a player and go... Okay, goody. Everybody's got headphones, but this guy doesn't deserve them. Let's let's have a way to make him at least shut up for me. If other people want to listen to him, blah blah blah. Great, you know. And I think as a parent, you know, uh, having that option is also good too. I mean, I I know uh, Josh on his Xbox Live headset. You know, there's a lot of trash talking, but if parents want to let their kids play uh, multiplayer games. You know, that's why they always have that warning uh, in terms of the ratings. Oh, the yeah. game experience may change with online play. They can put multiplayer, you know, Teletubbies yeah. online. But if everybody over their headset's going to be, you know, shouting racist slurs and things like that, uh, you know, that may be something that parents may want to screen out and they're not necessarily aware that that's what's coming through. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that that should be there on a level of just mute it out entirely. 
And uh, also, just as a player, it should be on a level to mute out individual people when you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, in my family, you know, I am a fan, fan of uh, uh, fighting games, you mm-hmm. know, the Street Fighter and stuff, but we haven't played them together very much because I'm good. I've been playing for yeah. 10 years, you know. <laughs> I remember I started playing them with Jason on Street Fighter 2. We started figuring it out together. And then all of a sudden, I started busting out special moves where where he was just busting mashing. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and then he was like, "I don't want to play that anymore. Let's play Cyberball." <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. So you know, I'd play Cyberball and then play Street Fighter, and just you know, wait for someone else to play with or beat the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much buttons up what we have to say on the multiplayer gaming. I'll see uh, if we can wrap it up a little bit more with your mom. Uh, in a little bit uh, when she and I get to the bedtime segment. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about is, as a family, as gamers, is being a multi-user household, you know, where all of us are playing, you know, sometimes the same video game consoles, sometimes different ones, what the experiences is that we have, all of us using uh, the consoles, like sharing the TV, sharing the good PC, (laughs) taking turns. Um, do you got anything, uh, any specific memories that that immediately brings to mind when I mention it? <laughs> um, not really. It's just with the good computer screen, I, half the time we fight about it whenever someone wants to get on the computer, and mm-hmm. then, like, she's like, oh, I can't play The Sims on the other computer, and I'm like, I don't have this program to do this certain thing on the other computer. Right, even though I've got, like, uh, you know, I've got a Mac and a MacBook and a MacBook <laughs> Pro, and I've got this old PC that I first built up for Sabrina to play Sims 2, and it will run WoW. I mean, it won't run in, what's the name of that land that it always freezes on? You know? Oh, uh, Dalaran. Yeah, yeah, it freezes on Dalaran. Yeah. And everywhere else it goes. Getting a family to share things when there's one good PC. I'm sure there's plenty of dads out there. I've never bothered to try it, but... You know, try to be like, okay, this is your family PC, and Dad's going to have the good PC off in his den. Yeah. And he's lying to himself. He's going to spend every day, can I use your PC? I want to use the good one. And he's, no, no, that's Dad's. you got to share. Whether your mom, dad, whatever. A lot of times your mom... I do not like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, a lot of times your mom just waits till you guys are in bed or in school, you know? I mean, yeah. summer is hard. <laughs> you guys don't. You're like, summer, woo! And the parents are like, oh, man. Oh, when man. am I ever going to get to play on a good computer? <laughs> now, I remember one of our earliest ideas, and I can't remember what it was you guys were actually sharing that we ended up having to do this with. But I think it was a good idea for any parents, um, and that was whenever it was time to share something, you know, the big concern is how long before I get my turn. And so we had this oven timer that we would use. You remember the oven timer? Yeah, and then, like, it got lost or broken or something. It did, but it worked for the longest time. And and I I thought it was a good idea because you could say, okay... Well, first of all, I mean, I think it only went up to 90 minutes. It so, went you know. to an hour. An hour, that's right. So, you know, whatever it was you guys were sharing at the time, you know, you made sure when you used the oven timer that uh, there was only an hour turn. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if it was longer than that, you could turn it back up after yeah. it went off. Secondly, you know, there's something for the other kid 
who's waiting around for the thing to be able to check, you know, oh, 20 more minutes, oh, no, 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 no. And thirdly, there's no possibility for the parent to get distracted making dinner or something, and then some argument comes up because somebody's 10 minutes into somebody else's turn or whatever. Yeah. The big bell goes off, it's time to switch. Do you remember what... What we started, you guys sharing with the oven timer was it the old Mac or? But yeah, I think the early thing we shared was the Mac. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but it, you know, it could work for any game system. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of games out there that aren't you know save right when you need to. Yeah. Um. So you know, your turn, your buzzer may go off, but you but you're not you're like halfway to the save point. Right. So. At that point, you have to make sure, you know, and sometimes you're on the honor system. You have to watch kids because they're not always necessarily <laughs> honest about the save system. Yeah. It helps to be knowledgeable. <laughs> um, and, you know, you have to be like, you you save at your next save point. We're going to track how many minutes over you go yeah, into your turn and you add you, that. You yeah. Add that to the, um, to like my turn or whoever else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the other thing that we're running across with the multi-user thing we checked into it. We were talking about Steam and how we could use that as multi-user. And, yeah. and after looking into it, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I like about Steam. You know, getting all them games, being able to play them on different PCs. You know, when you're playing World of Warcraft downstairs, I can play Left 4 Dead upstairs on my MacBook Pro. Yeah. That's great. You know, uh, the drawback that I can see is that Steam is not multi-user smart at all. They're like, well, get yourself a new Steam account. Yeah, I know. Which, you know, okay, that, fair enough. If if you and I want to play Left 4 Dead multiplayer, they, don't, they do have what they call game sharing. They have guest passes, basically. And, but unfortunately, you can't use it when you want on any game. It's certain games you buy it and you get a guest pass, right? Then you can give that guest pass to somebody else with a different Steam account, and they can install the game as if they bought it, uh-huh. play it for a while until the guest pass runs out, and then it That's comes and prompts them. Well, I mean, it's it reminds me of what they give you on the DS and the PSP with the download play, right? Yeah. Like the, a lot of the DS and PSP multiplayer functionality is is irritating in the same way and they're, they're like oh you want to play multiplayer well then this is our chance for multiple people to buy <laughs> copies of the game yeah. i can remember that first coming into play back when jason oh this is a funny story so i told you all about jason and i playing cyberball and how much we liked cyberball uh-huh. so <clears throat> when i was in my senior year of high school i bought an atari Lynx. i've showed you it uh, right that little yeah. Giant, little big portable. (laughs) Um, And it had a, it was one of the first color portables, had a backlit screen, which Nintendo didn't even put into their Game Boy until the Game Boy Advance SP Phase (laughs) 2. And they announced they were coming out with Cyberball for it. And we were like, sweet, we are stoked. We're going to get Cyberball. So I bought a Lynx and he bought a Lynx. And then that game just got delayed and delayed. It would be on the list, you know, oh, February 1990, okay, 1991, 1992. And then it ended up coming out two and a half, three years after it was initially announced. We finally picked it up, just one copy, even though if we wanted to multiplay, we had to get two copies of the game and link our links together with the cable that I yeah. still have that you probably can't even find on eBay anymore. Yeah. 
we popped it in, played it on the links, and it was schwarbage. It was horrible. Really? It, yes, it was completely, uh, nearly unplayable. <laughs> I mean, it was, I'm not surprised it was delayed was so much. Sad. They should have just delayed it into oblivion. <laughs> um, so that's when they first started that. And Game Boy, you know, started with that, too. You know, you got to have two copies of the game and the cable and the link yeah. your thing together. So I guess it's kind of cool that the DS and the PSP let you do, even to some limited capacity, some game sharing, right? Where you have one copy of the game, but if somebody else has a PSP or a DS, you can download a portion of it, play, you know, one level multiplayer, and then see if you want to have him, your buddy, buy that copy of the game. So I don't really begrudge Steam for their guest passes for multiplayer. Um, I don't really begrudge him for not having you know, split screen and left for dead. Although really on Xbox, it, 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 it could work. Like, yeah. yeah. But you know, I mean, when you do split screen, you basically have to make your game so that it can run two copies of itself. You know, yeah. you're in two locations at the same time. It's, it's putting out basically two monitors worth. Yeah. You know, Nintendo's been good at it. You know, they put out their consoles that really, you know, they've, all the way up until the Wii, it had four ports on it. You know, uh, GameCube had four ports on it. Yeah. Um, Super Smash Brothers was another game we didn't talk about that we've played a lot of multiplayer yeah. on. But that leads me uh, to something I'll, I'll mention later about the Wii and Super Smash Brothers. I wanted to finish up with Steam first. So we were asking, like, okay, so we have one Steam account, right? Yeah. We buy games, and you and I share playing those games on that. Can we have multiple usernames you know uh we're earning achievements you know i'll log into a game i'll see achievements i never got a chance to earn myself you earned them for me (laughs) and vice versa right yeah your friends list i don't know who this ben kenobi 609 is i've never (laughs) played with (laughs) so unfortunately to check it out further steam is not multi-username aware you can't set up multi-users and have you and me and, you know, however many users within that Steam account have separate achievement lists or separate friends lists. Yeah. Uh, you could go into your settings and change the actual username, but all you're doing is changing the username. The username doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's the same account. So in terms of multi-user in a family, Steam's not very friendly that way. No. <laughs> and that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And I, I think that also is a bummer because games that go within Steam kind of automatically tie into the Steam ID, whereas games that I bought in ways other than Steam, maybe they might support their own multi-username setup. Maybe. But I, I haven't seen it on, if I bought it through Steam. So then that lead me to think about other multi-user accounts, you know. I don't know if you ever used a PC uh, before, say... God, I can't remember what version of Windows, but uh, before Mac OS X, unless you used this little side program called At Ease, there was one user. Huh. We all would share the same desktop, all the same, you know, anything you logged in, everybody would have access to it. It was not multi-user aware. And Windows probably only got that multi-user awareness... Probably with NT and Windows 2000. So Windows 95 probably didn't have it, I'm guessing. So can you imagine what it would be like to share this PC 
if I had to use your desktop with all that <laughs> junk all over. <laughs> so that reminds me of the Wii. Now the Wii, yeah. you know, Nintendo has shown all this smartness for being multi-user aware, multiplayer aware. At least with four ports all the way, you know, stretching back from the Nintendo 64. But um, the Wii doesn't have a multi user setup. They have Miis. And when yeah. you go inside a game, you can associate a Mii to a save game slot, right? Yeah. But in terms of where your channels are organized, what you have interesting to you, and what your save games have access to, it doesn't have it. No. So what what did that make me encounter when on the Super Smash Brothers brawl? <laughs> well, I was the first one to play all the way through Super Smash Bros. So since you can't save separate files on the Wii, I unlocked every single character in like three or four days. <laughs> so then Dad went and played it like a week after I did. He was going to all play through it, get the characters and stuff. And I unlocked all the characters. It was already <laughs> already. You know, and on, on GameCube, we could swap out memory cards at yeah. least. And yeah, you could do that on the Wii with an SD card and go into this menu and nah, 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 nah. Yeah, but... What a pain. No. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, part of the fun of Smash Brothers uh, Melee for me was unlocking dudes. Oh, I've unlocked this, and I've unlocked that, and ooh, this yeah. trophy. No, no, no. That's, I mean, that's why they put it in there. So they put out Brawl, and I'm playing it, and it's a wasteland of not unlocking anything. <laughs> I go hours, and I'm like, shouldn't I have opened something? And you come to find out you did it all. It was, with your amazing kid free time. <laughs> so, you know, that irritates me. And so, you know, I need to check with Josh and see how the Xbox is. I imagine the Xbox is pretty similar to the yeah, PS3. Yeah, it has separate users. It does? Okay, yeah. so when you fire it up, there you have a user choice. You pick which user you are. And when you go into that user, you get separate achievements. You get separate friends yeah. lists. You get separate message box. And your save games are automatically separated according to who you are. Yeah. And that's really important. And I really wish Nintendo had gotten that on the Wii. And whatever they put out next, they better figure it out. I know. <laughs> because it reminds me of Xbox One and, and Colin playing through Doom 3. On Xbox One. And all that they had to uh, uh, identify your save file was the full date and time <laughs> of when you saved the game yeah. and the name of the level you were. No name, no I can add a comment, I know. nothing. And so Colin was just blowing away my save file, saving over it here, saving over it there. That's he had no he, idea. He would play it and I was like, make sure you don't save over my dad's files or anything. And he was like, I'm not. <laughs> but it got full. There were only so many slots, and it would get full. And the same thing happened with uh, uh, Sabrina and Josh playing Resident Evil 4. Yeah. As I actually had to move her save file onto an, an SD, SD card, card, because on Resident Evil 4, on the Wii, released in There's what? Like... 2006 or something. Yeah. 21st century. <laughs> all there is to identify the save file is the name of where you're at, and the date and the time that you did it. And kids yep. are just going to save over somebody else's save with just that and no multi-user support. So I have to say, in terms of a multi-user household, I'm going to say shame on you, Steam. Yeah. <laughs> and shame on you, Nintendo. Uh, 
Shame on you on the one hand for trying to make sure that I always got to buy multiple. You know, I gave Nintendo too many props, though. You remember, uh, yeah, they're pretty multi-user aware, but sometimes they're multi-user aware to try to get extra money out of you. Because you remember when we were playing Four Swords Adventures? Yeah. And what was the pain in the butt about that one? You remember? No. You had to hook up a Game Boy oh, Advance. Oh, yeah, I know. And whenever you want a cave or a building or anything, you have to switch over to the Game Boy Advance. Right. And so if the four of us wanted to play it as a family, what would it take? Yeah. It would take one like guy two. who gets to use the controller. And three guys who need to use the Game Boy Advance. And three funky little Game Boy Advance yeah. link cables. And, and, and No, actually, the other, one guy doesn't even get to use the controller. They're yeah. all Game Boy Advance. <laughs> and we only got one of those. It's backlit. The other ones are the... Super blue. blue. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to get a light attachment. Only it. but the port that you would use yeah. is, is the same one that you got to use to link it to the GameCube. So you got to make sure you're playing with the lights on. I know. And directly overhead. <laughs> oh, Nintendo. Well, at least they've gotten better. I think the... Um, we uh, structure, you know, really should have multi-user support. I think it's way too late for them to try to put it in it now. Yeah. Um, but at least they're not trying to get a family of four to bust out $400 in hardware to play a game together anymore. I know. <laughs> it was really out of the line. Um, I keep hearing how they want to do this DS connectivity the same way, and they're just not getting it off the ground. I can understand why they'd be shy about it. Yeah. But at least now, you know, you don't have the drawback. I mean, we do have multiple DSs in the family. That could yeah, probably we have work. Five. Yeah, I mean, I wish they would give it a try, actually. Because yeah. it could work, because you don't have the cables plugging up the same port that you would need to use to have the light yeah. on your Game Boy, because DS has lights. <laughs> That's nice. Everybody likes that. So, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, shame on Nintendo. Shame on Wii. Uh, and, and weirdly, the PS3 and the Xbox 360, which don't have any multiplayer games, really, no. <laughs> that you can play together as a family in the yeah. same house, are the best for multi-user support. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, there's a, there's a gulf here between <laughs> multiplayer and multi-user where families are getting stuck... And it's inconvenient for them. <laughs> and they, I really hope, moving forward, whatever the next generation of consoles, they figure that out. How would you do it if you if you could set it up? I would probably make it so that there's, like, split-screen games, and with the Wii, there's a menu button. On the left side, there's a settings button. Mm -hmm. On the right side, there's the, like, mail button, and in the middle... There's a switch user button. A user button, yeah. Yeah, and then you would be able to switch your user, and like in the bottom corner, that there'd be a plus sign or something, mm -hmm. and that was to add a new user. Right. So then. And then you could associate that user to a me, right? Yeah, that's right. Then I was you wouldn't have say. to tell every program, "This is me." As yeah. soon as you went in, it would know. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for we too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As for the PlayStation 3, good job on the multi-user support. Bad How job about on the some split screen? Games. Come on. <laughs> As for Steam, you could add the multi-user support. Yeah. You're just a software layer. There's nothing really hard designed there. There's no reason why you can't do that. No. 
Come on, Steam. Make it happen. For families across America, we ask you. <laughs> families playing Left 4 Dead. Families playing Left... Oh, yeah. That's Actually, there are probably a lot of families yeah, playing Left Left 4 Dead. You know, I, I didn't want to go into ratings and stuff too yeah. much in this show. That was the last show. Yeah. But I did want to say, you know, I was listening to... Um, I was listening to one, uh, Four Guys, One Up. That's the name of the oh, yeah. podcast from the One Up uh, guys. And they were talking about the rating system and about some estimates that had been put out that like 75% of all uh, parents do use and are aware of the rating system. Or, or said that they were uh, aware of the rating system. Oh. They, they weren't clear on what the definition of using the rating system was. Oh. And then David Ellis, one of the reporting guys, who actually, you know, I like. I like what he's done with the podcast since he's taken it over. He made the wisecrack. Oh, yeah, well, at least the good parents are. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to come back to that just for a minute and say, you know, hey, David Ellis, you can keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> What would it be like for you if I did enforce the rating system? I probably wouldn't be much of a gamer. Yeah? Yeah. There just wouldn't be much that you'd be interested in no. that you could play, huh? Because every game I play is, like, usually teeing up, teeing mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, I play some e-games like Super Mario Bros. and stuff like that. Right. Mario and stuff. But other than that, I'm pretty much playing right M and T. Well, in the vast majority of games that are released, and the vast majority of games that even sell enough to make a blip on the radar, especially for the next generation systems, are rated M. Yeah. You um, know, what? I looked through all of our Xbox games, and none of them are rated. That's true. Xbox wasn't big on the rated E, were they? No. You know, I made sure and get the Nintendo consoles and represent the rated E. In our household. We do have rated E games. I'm a big Mario fan. I have been for a yeah. long time. Big Sonic fan. Even though they put a Shadow the Hedgehog out and put a gun in his hand. We never did get yeah, that one. Yeah, no. Uh, I heard it was stinky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of looked stupid with the gun. <laughs> it just doesn't fit. No. But, you know, I mean, I guess... I just didn't want to have to put up with wisecracks from 20-something-year-old guys who don't have families... Uh, and haven't dealt with the reality of the situation that kids are going to push the boundaries and ask to play things. And your choice is either to lock it down and have them play it at their friend's house. Yeah. Or wherever, you know, and then your kid's never home. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or to be there and talk with your kids as they go through the experiences I think, yeah. personally, a lot of other parents just really don't spend much time with their kids. They spend time with the other parent in the household. Yeah. And kids are off in the far room playing whatever they want. <laughs> uh, at least playing mature games that are outside of your ratings classification is something that I've chosen to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I wanted to get that out of my system after hearing that podcast. But that... That'll be all we have to say on that subject. If we do uh, get any letters uh, to us on the subject, we'll bring it up again. Uh, but for now, I just had to respond to that podcast. Yeah. Cool. All right, uh, we're going to take another break here right now, uh, Internet, and we'll be back shortly with the Happy Game Family Go podcast.
Hello, and welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. <laughs> I'm sitting here with uh, Noah and Monica and myself, and this is our family wow powwow, which is my uh, little segment name for when we go through our World of Warcraft experiences. Um, World of Warcraft is by definition a multiplayer game. It's a massively multiplayer game. Uh, and uh, it's something that like a lot of the other multiplayer games we've talked about, you know, you can multi, you can multiplay with strangers across the internet, but it's also something we can play together as a family, and that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about was uh, our experiences uh, playing the game together versus playing the game with other people that we know in other households versus playing the game with total strangers on the internet. Yeah. Um. No, I probably started my Warcraft playing, a, you know, a long time ago and then petered. And I think I was at level 10 for eight months or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Uh, and finally, if just one of the things that I was talking about with Sabrina was uh, when you're playing m- multiplayer games with people in the same family, one of your challenges is uh, getting everybody to agree on what game uh, to play together. And so... Uh, I finally decided I was being a curmudgeon and resisting uh, Warcraft for no real good reason. <laughs> so I jumped back in and have just uh, recently uh, reached uh, Westfall and uh, leveled up to 13. Woo-hoo! Yay! Yeah, 13. With my rogue, Embarcus. Just like 77 more levels. <laughs> <laughs> Two more levels and you can learn lockpicking. Math check, What? how many more levels? Oh, 67. All right, good boy. <laughs> um, so, uh, and one of the things that helped me out is I was getting frustrated at Westfall because I was supposed to kill these uh, harvest... Uh, watchers. Watchers. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if I was in the zone ahead of when my planned progression should take me through there, but I was too low a level, and each fight was a desperate fight for survival. Yeah. Well, most of the time you'll get quests that are sending you against enemies that are slightly higher than your level. Oh, so I should be used to that. Yeah, so, and usually it's stuff that you can do, because I did that quest with Lurleen. I don't think I did it right when I got it, Um, but I did that with my rogue, only it took a long time, because, you know, you get killed, or you have to spend a lot of time sitting down and eating to heal up after each enemy that you kill. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, well, you know, the sooner you can do a quest, the more experience you get for it. But I had a very gratifying experience, though, by having you bring your rogue, Lurleen, mm-hmm. along to help me out. And suddenly, you know, it was a, it was much better. So in terms of <laughs> co-op, um, there I have had mostly within the family experience, which, you know, sometimes is a little humbling, the experience of having some super high level <laughs> uh, other family member come and help me out. Um, you know, which is cool because you're like, oh, my buddy's going to help me now. <laughs> but then you feel lame when your your buddy's off, you know, around the corner and you're like, help, 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 yeah. I'm dying! And then you got to come walk it back from the like cemetery. Yeah. 
Well, and then on the other end, if you're the buddy who was there helping out, you feel bad because it's like you got a little too far ahead yeah. and you're busy killing stuff and then it's like, oh. Oh, oh, my, oh, my you know, fragile you know, little friend you, is dead. Like you just, you know, left your baby and, <laughs> and a wolf uh, came and took it. It yeah. makes you feel worse, baby. <laughs> you know, it's somebody you're supposed to be taking care of and you totally failed them. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, so I think, though, we'll keep doing that a little bit. Uh, we will uh, probably reach a point where we uh, we talked about when I get closer to, what, level 15 or so, and we might go through the dead mines. Yeah. And that's a good uh, dungeon to go through. To uh, Yeah, well, it's the, it's the first dungeon that you'd get to, and uh, it's a good dungeon to go through, you know, not only to get experience, but also to get gear. Because hmm. there's a lot of good yeah. gear that goes, you know, I mean, when I had Lurleen... Um, you know, many levels ago, Josh took me through the dead mines. I don't know. So I don't even know how many times, several times, so that we could get all of the good gear that gets dropped. Because yeah. you know, you won't always get everything in one trip. But right. it's a pretty fast dungeon if you've got somebody high level just slaying everything. That's yeah, cool. There's a lot. Almost all the gear there is really good for rogues. Yeah, because it's, it's got leather. agility and it's leather. Oh, yeah. cool. So that ought to be uh, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will. Um. Oh, and you get an achievement, too. Oh, yeah. For going through it? In fact, I should have Wednesday take you through it, because I don't think Wednesday has done the deadlines yet. Hmm. What's Wednesday? My death night. Oh, cool. Level 80 also. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, clearly I'm a, a, a recent convert with my level 13 single character joining in with my family, who all have uh, <laughs> all these multi-level 80 alts. Uh, you know, I guess I will say that I was afraid to join in because I'd heard what a time sink it can be and I'd, I'd seen what a time sink <laughs> it can be. And, you know, I uh, my library is a pressure to me. It's a lot of games that I want to conquer someday and so I don't want to necessarily get sucked into the world of Warcraft and yeah. not play anything else. Yeah, but you shouldn't give up on the world of Warcraft. The Warcraft. <laughs> Well, and the other thing about the World of Warcraft, and maybe this is the thing that got me moving a little bit too, is that, sure, it's been around for five years and and uh, probably looks to be around for a good long time longer, but it's not guaranteed to be around. It's it's the online component of it and the fact that other people are playing it is what keeps it going. And so there's been plenty of other online games that have come about and... Uh, disappeared you know everybody quit playing i mean we missed out on the matrix online and they they did have although i guess i never know for sure if online games have just gone away entirely or because as far as i know you know you can still play everquest it's just got a much smaller group of people playing it now it's kind of a rare exception you know people are really dedicated to everquest and um final fantasy 11 are Mm. still going but uh, other things, you know, they just shut down servers after a mm-hmm. while. You can't play it. Uh, I just recently read in the news that a PSN game, Calling All Cars, which was by a guy named David Jaffe, who, uh, not just by him, obviously, it's always done as part of a group, mm-hmm. but he was the lead designer on that. And he was the guy who first uh, was the lead designer for the God of War series. They just shut down their multiplayer servers. Mm-hmm. Not enough activity. Shut them all down. So even now, if you get the game, you can't play it online. Right. Uh, I think that's actually kind of something that the game publishers want. They want you to, you know, buy the game when it's, you know, 
higher price and new and popular mm -hmm. than, you know, pick it up later at deep, deep discount, yeah. which is what I always favor yeah. uh, with my family budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, and, and that's not something that you do with, like, World of Warcraft, you know, there's no discounting in no. that, at least not at this point. Yeah. Because you still have to go out, you know, if you are a new player, you still have to go out and buy the game and buy the expansions. Well, the thing that, the time limit thing that motivated me on World of Warcraft was really the fact that, you know, upcoming is this thing called Cataclysm, which is going to completely yeah. Yeah, change. change the whole world. And so, you know, I didn't want there to be experiences of what the world, craft, well, wor yeah. world of Warcraft was yeah, originally. Yeah, you get a chance to see, because, you know, you'll go through all of the, because it's going to be the original um, you know, the original continents that are going to change a lot. So lot you'll be able to go yeah. through a lot of that, you know, starting out with your rogue. Mm -hmm. um, Check it out before it's gone. You'll probably be or before it's just completely changed. Again. In a way, gone. You yeah. know, whatever its original incarnation will be right. gone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to see it all before place, it changes. There's one place called um, the Barrens. Yeah, the Barrens is going to change a lot. Yeah, it's a huge desert and all red and stuff, and it's going to be a forest. Hmm. Well, there's going to be, like, a huge there's gonna be like one crevasse half. that's going to open up right in the middle of the Barrens, and I guess a yeah. lot of the Barrens is going to turn into lush forest. Yeah. Huh. I'll have to check it um, out before it changes. Yeah. Uh, but there's no way to capture and keep that experience. Mm -hmm. You know, Once Cataclysm well, happens, yeah. you'll never it's... be able to go back to the old yeah. Barrens. And that's going to be really hard kind of thing for me to get used to with my library mm -hmm. mentality, you know, feeling like I can capture and hold on to experiences. Right, but that's that's kind of what's cool about the world of Warcraft, you know, it, it's things like that that really make it feel like a world, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so what other experiences have you guys had playing World of Warcraft with other people in the family? Well, I mean, Noah and I have played together and... Yeah. You know, mainly, mainly whether you're playing with somebody in your family or, you know, just playing with somebody online, you know, there are things that you have to team up to be able to do. Even when you get yeah. to level 80, there are things that you just can't solo. And so, you know, a lot of the time when Noah and I group up, it's because, I think it's usually because I need help with something because <laughs> he went and leveled up to 80 before I did, so he had already completed all of these quests. Mm. But, you know, he I, he's my little boy, my precious little pumpkin. And so I know that if I need help killing an extra hard boss, I can ask him to sign on and he'll come and help me. Yeah. Well, is it a bummer, though? I mean, we talked last time around uh, about the um, Follow the Lich King content and how that was all raid-based. And then is it a bummer that, that you guys can't tackle that? You need other people. There's no way. I mean, even yeah. we don't have a family large enough to raid. Right. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, if, if I wanted to, if I wanted to raid, I could. You know, I'd have to start, I'd have to do a bunch of prep work before I could get in on raids because I'd have to start running a bunch of heroic dungeons. For the gear. To get gear. Yeah. And, um, but I guess what, I'm, what I want to focus on rather than the equipment and the requirements mm -hmm. would be the players. Well, who would you need? I mean, you've got a guild. Right, yeah. Um, and how many people are in the guild? Oh, like there are, yeah, there's over 200. Oh, how many people do you know in the guild? Well, I mean, there are... Like half of the guild? No. Yeah, there's there's probably, you know, I'd say a dozen or so players that you, if you pay attention to guild chat, you'll notice, you know, a pretty steady group of names that are on regularly. You know, and also a lot of people have alts. Yeah. 
you know, so someone oh, you so know. Oh, so that's characters you're counting to, right. Right, not people. Right, yeah. Okay, well, I guess like where I'm going with this is that, okay, there's a certain amount of Warcraft you can help out with, with, you know, the limited number of people in our family. Then you end up going to the next level, which is people you know, who are friends that you know in real right. life. Yeah, if if I were to have an interest in starting to raid, I'd probably, you know, go to the guild and, you know, see if there were people. Because, you know, people in the guild will get together to run dungeons and heroics, and all I would have to do is just express an interest to, you know, pretty much anyone in the guild. You know, <clears throat> probably it would be most useful to talk to Liz. She's the guild master. Um, and, uh, you know, then she would just, you know, make sure I was invited, you know, make sure I knew when they were going to be running stuff, and then I could get in on that and... So when you it play that way. multiplayer with people you know, is it still just text chat, or can you do voice chat, or how do you, you do interact? Voice chat, except mm -hmm. text chat is usually better because the voice chat, it's hard to set up, and not as many people use it and stuff. And yeah, not everyone has it's it. Just, it's also better for... Um, when I have gone on dungeons, I've just used raids. text chat. Yeah. Hmm. Better for raids, not dungeons. Well then, uh, do you find it, and then... Beyond that level, beyond your guild, and beyond the friends you have in your guild, then there's just the world at large and putting raids together right. with well, yeah. the raid tool. Well, and there, are, you know, there are always people trying to put together groups. I hear that it can be tough with raids because some of the raids are yes. really big, and that's why you know there, you know, there are guilds specifically for raiding, and you know that's one of the reasons why they tend to be really strict about. Um, membership you know you have to already have good gear you know a lot of them want you to already have experience doing certain raids See, and that because, sounds like a different multiplayer experience well, playing and, with and friendly people who are your friends well, and it is yeah. and that's why you know noah's had experience in raiding gears and he or raiding guilds and he hasn't found the guilds to be you know as friendly or just you know no, just fun as, as the informal guild that we're a part of um you know the people who form and join raiding guilds take it very very seriously yeah and you know, but the thing about trying to arrange a raid on a casual basis is that you need a lot of people. You need a lot of people to be ready to go, geared up. Um, you need a lot of people who know what their roles are. And when you're just getting together a group of strangers, you don't necessarily know that everybody is going to pull their weight and that everybody is going to contribute towards a successful raid because a lot of raids wipe out you know you're not always going to complete yeah. the raid everybody and dies. so if you've well yeah, yeah if, so if you've got healers who don't know what they're doing then you're screwed but you don't necessarily know that until you've started the raid well if you all die in a raid dungeon then you don't get to just go back to the graveyard and run up and rejoin the group no, in the raid can. usually though after you wipe like usually three or four times then you just the rate and the well, and, and you know, and you'll start to lose people. I mean, these are complaints I've you know heard from other people who raid or who have tried to get together casual and formal groups for raiding. You know, you don't necessarily know everybody who's in the group. You can't trust that they're all going to stay with the raid until you're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can end up, first of all, maybe having players who aren't as skilled as you'd like them to be. Um, you can end up with players who you know might be in on the raid for a while, but then their favorite show comes on TV, and so they bail. Mm. And so yeah. you end up with a group that's not large enough to complete the raid. Yeah, so then people start leaving and leaving. And so I think that's why sucks. people take raiding guilds so seriously, because, yeah. you know, that's one way to guarantee that you're going to have a large enough group of people with the right kind of gear and the right kind of skills. Which is either 10 or 25, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, well, so... 
So there's different dungeons that are more appropriate for raids of different sizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, can you get a raid going of ten people that are your friends that you know and it can yeah. work? Well, yeah. yeah. Have you done that at all? The guild has done that. I yeah. haven't personally, but you know, the guild I gets know. together small raids. <laughs> and for you, it's more of a challenge, though, because you, you don't want to do it if you know you can't necessarily commit too. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if I if I don't know how long the raid is going to take, or if it's starting at some time when I'm not available, um, you know, I'm not going to say that I will be part of a raid if I don't know for sure that I can, you know, that I can be there when I'm supposed to be and stay there until the raid is done. Hmm. Well, that's, see that, I don't know that I'll get to any of that end game stuff either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I understand why they have all these rules. You know, for the large raids that they, you know, they want this level of a commitment uh, to be able to do it because it's a bummer to spend all that time and effort and have, you know, people just drift away yeah, and wash it. out. But, I, you know, I don't want to get involved with really serious, unfriendly well, and that's, <laughs> multiplayer action. And that's, I just don't well, like and that's, that. And that's why a lot of people don't like joining raiding guilds or, you know, really raiding much. You know, I mean, a lot of people in my guild... It's not that they don't want to do a raid once in a while, but they don't want to be in raiding guilds because, you know, it's like a friend of mine said, it makes it too much like a job. You know, you're rushing it home is. from work looking at the clock because you're afraid that you're going to get home late for the raid. And then, yeah. Hmm. I got kicked out of a guild once because I did a raid with some other people when there was a guild raid going on. Mm -hmm. So I got kicked out of the guild. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, you are committed to our raid, <laughs> yeah, not some so other stupid. raid. You know, and, and I mainly like, you know, I like my guild because it's informal, you know. People will get together to do dungeons or raids once in a while, but it's also just a group of people, you know, just to kind of have, you know, just to chat with here and there, ask questions, or, you know, mm -hmm. if you need help with somebody, with something, you can ask. You know, there have been times when somebody from the guild has whispered me and needed help with a quest or whatnot, and yeah. if I can do it, I will. And see, and for me, the least that my WoW multiplayer experience mm -hmm. can be like Xbox Live, mm -hmm. and some jerk is calling me a noob, yeah. and just cuss me up and down because I don't know where to run, right. because I've never been there before. Yeah. Well, yeah, see, and, and I suppose... The better. <laughs> I suppose probably, you know, raiding would probably be the closest to that, because if you're just playing the game and just, you know paying attention to guild chat or even trade chat, you're really not going to get that so much. Mm. Especially guild chat. You know, I don't know what all guilds are like, but, but our guild is, is a very nice, friendly guild. Well, I think yeah. I'll continue as I am, starting out small as the baby, mm -hmm. being cared for by members of my family. Uh, the other drawback, though, is that, you know, uh, we had to pay for two separate accounts in order to be able to multiplay Right. World of Warcraft, yeah. which is something that Noah and I had talked with a little bit about Steam. You know, our Left 4 mm -hmm. Dead is a game that you mm -hmm. and I enjoy. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've got to... Monthly, the other bummer, though, about the multiplayer aspect and the multiple account aspect of World of Warcraft is that I cannot have a Death Knight. Well, no. not... You could, you could in a different you realm, a different but you realm, couldn't... But you can't have two Death Knights in the same realm. So I could start a character on our account and switch that character only that character to a different realm well you you would just start yeah, that character just, in a different yeah. you wouldn't have to switch it or anything you would just pick another realm other than malfurion and 
you could have a death knight in that realm as long as in that account there's at least one character that's level that's 55 or over mm -hmm. um you can have a death knight in every realm okay so you could start a death knight it just wouldn't it would be on a different server well couldn't one of you just start also a death knight in yeah we yeah, could we both can. we could both start death knights together just on a okay. different server well see i didn't want to feel like i never could try death yeah. knight yeah yeah okay. in fact that would be kind of fun because we could start death knights together on a different server and go through all the death knight training camp stuff together and there's this one quest you get to in death knight training camp where you pretty much have to have help with it but unless there's somebody else in there, you know, you can't call somebody from the guild in to help you out because mm -hmm. it's only a quest yeah, that you do for the death night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll try that sometime. When yeah, there. that would be fun. Okay. Um. Let's see. I think that's pretty much everything that I want to talk about about multiplayer with WoW. From my understanding, was there anything I missed that's significant in the multiplayer WoW experience? Mm. I mean, I you know I think WoW's nice no. because. You know, the multiplayer is something... It, WoW is cool because you can multiplayer the game as much or as little as you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. You because know, I mostly play solo, but there are things I like about the multiplayer experience, you know? And I, I just, I like the sense of community and the fact that you're not just completely helpless if you've got something to do that is a little too hard for you to do alone. Yeah, yeah. I like that, too. <laughs> Especially the way you guys come through, like, swaths of the apocalypse upon the Noel <laughs> population. Right. And I just get to come along and, well, and loot corpses. <laughs> I know, it's totally fun to go. <laughs> and watch my experience grow. Wow, I got experience from all the way over here well, watching and, that. Yeah, well, and, and as you level up, you know, you'll... you'll You'll get to where, you know, it's fun to go into a low-level area once in a while. You know, it's not like I ever just, for the hell of it, just go back to Elwynn Forest or whatever just so that I can start killing yeah. things. But whenever I do happen to be in a low-level area and I have to kill something, I'm just like, man, I am one tough badass. <laughs> yeah, and you get to find little things like, oh, I must not have discovered this area or yeah. done that quest. Yeah. You know, fill in the gaps a little bit. Right. All right. Well, folks, we'll be back in just a few minutes with uh, the bedtime portion of the Happy Game Family Go <laughs> podcast because it's about time for these kids to go to bed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. It's bedtime, isn't it, Monica? Oh yeah. It's almost bedtime for us, too. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> it's been a full day. Hey, I wanted to uh, just wrap this thing up and talk about our multiplayer experiences, just you and me. It's not always just about playing with the kids. Sometimes it's just about us playing together, right? True. Um, I know that... Uh, we talked about World of Warcraft, and we talked about, last week, we talked about some of the games that we played leading into World of Warcraft, but I'm trying to remember, and that's really, I think, the first games that I remember us playing together were the kind of dungeon crawl hack and slash stuff. Do you remember anything before that? No, it was, yeah, it was Baldur's Gate and uh, Champions of Norath, and there was another one, I can't remember what it was called, it was more of a, like a post-apocalyptic... Ah, uh, Fallout, Brotherhood of Steel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, did we start with the Gauntlet game for Nintendo 64? I don't think we started with that. I think we, we came back. played that later. 
And we ended up petering out on that one because there was, I don't know, we got to some point where we had, apparently you had to, you know, do I some series of movements exactly right. Otherwise, you closed off gates forever and you could never finish the game. Or you'd have to replay the level and know which switch right. to hit. Because you had to pick up these pickups to get the best ending. And so if you uh, if you hit a switch, it closed off the way to get that pickup. So I would say for multiplayer games, just don't make people replay levels. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, I don't think we, I think we got a game guide for that, but it didn't tell you how to correctly do that level. Yeah, we did. We had a strategy guide and it had no maps. It was one of those screenshot only strategy right. guides and it was no good. Yeah, so we ended up just not going back to that, I think just out of sheer frustration. Yeah. Uh, Champions of Norath and Baldur's Gate, we finished both of those. Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. I remember number 2 was pretty awesome because uh, it had a lot more loot factor to it. It had where you would get certain gems and you could add them to your sword. And yeah, you could enhance it. You can do that, <laughs> by the way, you can do that in Warcraft too. When you get high enough level gear, you can get gems to, uh, you know, enhance certain characteristics on your weapon yeah well we did uh champions of norath and we did champions return to arms mm. we did fallout brotherhood of steel these were all the uh, overhead co-op hack and slash mm -hmm. and we even tried combat elite world war ii paratroopers yeah we actually played i don't remember if we finished that but we played that quite a bit we played it was it. it was a little bit more boring than the other games. It was, uh, and I, I remember that with Fallout Two is that gunplay and top down mostly ended up meaning you were shooting guys you could barely see who were on yeah. the edges of the screen. Yeah, uh, and I remember specifically Combat Elite was one that I had an interest in, and then had was hovering on the edge of being canceled, and then some small publisher picked it up and finally put it out. But it, you know, it didn't seem entirely finished. Do you remember that part where we were moving along and then I, I did something that led oh, me Oh, yeah, to... you, like, fell off the edge of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and just kept falling and falling or something. Yeah, um, I remember that. But then uh, we reached a point where I think we tried to play Dungeons & Dragons for Xbox. And, oh, the kitty wants in. Uh, and we... <laughs> We petered out on that one. Should we just let the kitty in? Let's let the kitty in. He's just going to meow pathetically until we let him in. Come on, kitty. He wants to podcast, too. But why? Do you remember why we petered out on that Dungeons & Dragons? I don't think there was any good reason. I think that... Well, I think, if anything, we just weren't necessarily in the mood to play. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're just not. It just didn't hit that... That magic that kept us going on the others. Yeah. And then we tried to play a few more of those top-down games. Uh, I tried to get you interested in the X-Men Legends. Yeah, I didn't really like that one. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't like the characters. There was something about the gameplay that I didn't like. I don't think you could pick your character. Yeah, that's right. And that was true of the Justice League Heroes as well. Yeah. At first, you were forced to do Batman and Superman. Uh, you know, if you're going to do that kind of co-op game, I would say let people pick the character that suits them straight up 
yeah straight away figure out a way to make it work yeah in the plot. i mean if it's you know if it's part of some sort of licensed franchise you know let people pick the character or you know most fantasy role-playing games you can make your character yeah there are a few others that we have that we haven't tried i did pick up a no, Noah was mentioning how he and Colin played Gauntlet Darkly. Wow, you are just full of the yawns. <laughs> yeah, um, they played the Gauntlet Dark Legacy. Uh, we played the Gauntlet Legends and petered out on. There was another one they put out called Gauntlet Seven Sorrows that I picked up that we haven't tried, mm -hmm. and a few more of the superhero ones and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. They just put out a sequel, actually, Marvel Ultimate mm -hmm. Alliance Two. Uh, but I, I, I don't I don't sense interest in the superhero. Not, not so much. <laughs> uh, especially now with World of Warcraft, what it, what in terms of multiplayer, it really seems to be. You know, the only drawback being is that we have to have two separate systems to do it. It's not something you can do on the same screen. Right. No. Um, and and I would say for me, uh, even as I I you know. I'm enjoying the World of Warcraft. I did kind of like the action, twitchy element of some of those top-down uh, hack and slashers. You know that mm -hmm. how quickly I could turn my guy around or see what was going on and hit the buttons would have more of an effect than than the World of Warcraft battle system, which is you know kind of like kind of like Final Fantasies in a way, not really turn-based mm -hmm. but recharge-based. You know. Well, and and you know you choose your attacks yeah well I, I i will say that uh we have definitely had more luck playing co-op games than we have doing competition in any games yeah although you know that's partly because i think for competition to be fun you have to have players who are pretty well matched mm -hmm. it's not fun if you know for example nobody's going to want to play a fighting game with you because you've spent so much time playing fighting games that unless somebody else has spent that much time playing fighting games, it's not going to be fun. Exactly. That's what me and Noah mentioned a little bit on it. Uh, I wonder if there is any competitive game, though, that we could settle on, or or if the nature of, of us you know, being a married couple kind of precludes a whole lot of hot and heavy competition. I know there probably are some couples I, out there. That... I don't think that's the case. I think that, I mean, unless there was some new style of game that neither one of us had played before, you know, that was going to be new to both of us, it would be, some, I mean, you know, because what's competitive in video games? You know, there are sports games, which neither of us play. Mm -hmm. There are first-person shooters, which obviously you'd be way better at than I would. Right. Because I don't even like first-person shooters. And, um, you know, there's fighting games, which, once again, you've played a lot. Maybe when we pick up a... Uh... To be competitive, it would have to be something... I mean, like, for example, I'd have to develop an interest in fighting games and get to be really good at them. Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest maybe when we pick up a Wii Sports Resort, that'll give us something that we might want to break out and do. You know, have Frisbee <laughs> and stuff that uh, I'm not going to know how to do any better. Well, and we always had fun playing, um, you know, Mario Party with the kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, Although sometimes those games would go on and on. And well, on. just like a regular board game, but or like that game of Friends, the one with all the trivia <laughs> the other week. Um, you know, I also uh, think that another thing that co-op appeals to us maybe more than competition, and maybe this speaks to that point, is that 
in co-op games, you're not all using the same skills. Like, when we would play these top-down dungeon hackers, uh, a lot of times I would play, you know, like the Berserker tank-style guy and run right in, and you would play more of the Spellcaster. And so you mm -hmm. could learn a different skill set of the game and apply that and I would be using a different skill set, and we would be doing it to a common goal. Well, and that's useful in those kind of games. You know, even in World of Warcraft, if you're putting together a group for a dungeon, you don't want an entire group filled with tanks. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I mean, that kind of parallels, to my mind, you know, the kind of cooperation that we use as parents in our life. You know, each of us is has different strengths in different areas. And, mm -hmm. You know, I just don't really see how... Uh, a competitive game brings out anything that resonates with us in other areas of our life either just because we don't we don't compete to outshine each other in the same skills in our life in any way we we apply our energies towards uh our life together towards parenting our kids by you know getting each other's back in the areas where you know you're you're strong where i'm weak and and I'm, you know, hopefully strong where you're weak. And if there's areas that we're both weak, well, maybe that's where we should be competing in so <laughs> that we both get stronger. <laughs> and that's not fighting games. Or... <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think as far as life goes, you know, I don't know that competition... I, I'm, I guess I'm not following the analogy all the way through, but... I think that our style as a couple lends itself better to the cooperative style. That there are couples out there that probably compete head to head a lot more and and get more interested in that kind of rivalry. Well, probably, yeah. Um, but for us, you know, I I think that uh, we prefer to always feel like we're standing shoulder to shoulder and moving in a direction rather than you know competing head to head. Right. And that's fine with me. Me too. Uh, the uh, the key is to make sure that we're always playing the same game. Yeah, something <laughs> I was saying to uh, Sabrina earlier, something that uh, you know I'm I'm wanting to do with uh, World of Warcraft. Although I'm I'm have not entirely given up on the top-down superhero genre genre with you. <laughs> just because X-Men Legends didn't work out doesn't mean the Marvel well, I mean, the thing Ultimate. Is, it just has to be a fun game, you know? Yeah. And and the superhero stuff, you know, that just doesn't appeal to me as much just because I like the fantasy uh, I like the fantasy genre better, but... Well, and, and I'm missing that. Where is that? Where's the Baldur's Gate 3? Uh, you know, Dark Alliance 3, you know? Where is right. Where is the top-down hack and slash? Obviously it was a big seller at some point. Uh, and suddenly it's gone. You know, they put out a few on uh, PlayStation 3 that uh, were called Untold Legends. Maybe we could try those out, but I've, I've heard well, mixed reviews. But why, why is the top-down so important? You know, what does the why does the perspective matter more than how much fun the quests are? Um, I suppose it just matters, you know, that we're playing on the same screen, side-by-side. Mm -hmm. Side-by-side. Uh, that's what I miss about that, you know, when we're playing World of Warcraft. It was nice, though, the other day in the living room uh, with you on uh, the computer and me on the laptop. And maybe if we get a setup someday where we could set up ultra nerdy style two PCs right next to each other, you oh, know, land party that's style. What, uh, that's what Brian's sister has with her husband. Oh, yeah? Because they both play well. 
See, that would be awesome, you know? It, it would be a little bit less uh, isolating while being multiplayer, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, I, I did like playing on that same screen and being like, oh, look at that, no, 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 no. And uh, it also keeps you from separating too far so that you're always looking at the same things a little bit. And you never get the situation where your your protector has wandered over the rise and you've gotten slaughtered in the <laughs> in the distance. Yeah, I guess I don't know because to me it's because when we're playing at the same time on World of Warcraft, we're both together on the screen. We're yeah. just not. I'd lose you so much more though. You're a dot on the radar, and then I, I gotta look around. Where, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Maybe I'll get used to it a little more. Well, and I suppose part of that also is because you know it's. It's like, you know, if you're going someplace you've already been with someplace who's ne somebody who's never been there, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to probably rush ahead a little bit more than if you're both seeing it for the first time together. Or, you know, they have this uh, feature on Resident Evil 5, which is not something that I expect you to have interest to play with me because <laughs> it's mostly a shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it does have is a button you can hit that'll reorient your camera to face your co-op partner mm -hmm. you can it's an instantly find your button find your partner button and so something like that would would ease it for me but i think it's probably just be a matter of me getting used to the map and figuring it out yeah keep trying <laughs> it'll well, all work out <laughs> i'm sure it'll all work out i don't know why people worry about stuff yeah it's all gonna work out <laughs> <laughs> all right folks uh we're going to be back in just a second. I'd probably wait till tomorrow to record my outro because it really is bedtime. Uh, but uh, for you, it'll just seem to be a, a moment. And we'll be right back with the uh, final segment of this episode of the Happy Game Family Go podcast. And thank you once again, Hello everyone and welcome back to the Happy Game Family Go podcast. This is just the dad, Dana, doing my outro, uh, as I will do each week, or uh, rather each episode uh, that we record this podcast. Everybody else is off uh, at work or at school and I'm about to leave to head off to uh, a little bit of uh, freelance work I have going myself. But I'd like to wrap this uh, particular podcast up for you folks. Uh, and let you know uh, that moving forward, uh, we probably will not be maintaining a weekly schedule. As I as I may have mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm probably going to aim for a bi-weekly regular schedule for this podcast. I uh, would like to make sure that we all uh, are having fun with it. You know, there's not too much pressure involved putting it out. And, you know, more importantly, that my family has time actually to play some games uh, <laughs> rather than just talk about them. Uh, and make sure that that's true of myself as well. Uh, did want to just wrap up with a couple of notes. Um, I did state uh, erroneously at some point earlier in the podcast that uh, M-rated games sell more uh, than any other rating of video games. That was uh, something apocryphal that I had just heard from another podcast. Actually uh, was in my internet browsing the other night brought to an interesting infographic uh, about video game statistics. You can find it yourself at www.onlineeducation.net slash video game. 
Uh, and uh, there were a number of interesting stats on this. One of them that 65% of uh, households are playing video games. Uh, another one that gave us an age breakdown of video games. It said uh, 25% of gamers were under 18 years of age. 49% of gamers were 18 to 49. And 26% of gamers were over 50, uh, according to the stats. Despite that, uh, it did also state that the average age of the uh, gamer is 32 years of age, uh, and that two out of five gamers out there are female. Um, but the one that really uh, tripped me up in my comment of what I'd said earlier was an infographic uh, stating sales by rating, which indicated that only 15% of game sales are in the M rating, that 28% are in the T rating, 12% are in the E10+, plus, the Everyone 10+, plus rating, and 42% of game sales are in the E rating. So that may actually make uh, the amount of mature games played in our household unusual. Um, I don't find that true in the parents that I'm talking to uh, or the children uh, that might children are friends with. Uh, I don't know if Colorado is different than some of these uh, possibly national or international statistics. You can look up the sources for these uh, statistics at the bottom of this page that I've guided you to. Again, uh, www.onlineeducation.net slash video game. Uh, a lot of stats uh, gathered from the ESA and VG charts and, and some other specific uh, sources. So I don't really have a reason to question them uh, other than what I see in the world around me. Uh, one other thing I wanted to go ahead and state, uh, I just wanted to mention the uh, PSP digital comics service that's going on right now has gathered my interest, uh, specifically by publishing a Star Trek uh, title and a series of Star Trek books within there. Um, it might be a good source for parents to get their kids using their digital devices uh, for reading. Uh, I know comics were really great for me as a kid uh, to get me reading. That's one of the hardest things really to do as a parent is to get your kid interested in reading, especially in this digital day and age. Uh, another statistic that I read on another website, uh, bitmob.com, one of my favorite uh, online uh, uh, portals for internet writing, uh, stated that kids these days are spending nearly 50% of their time in front of electronic screens and uh Really, I would say that may be true in my household, too, but it's not something that I can uh, over, overly criticize my own children for, since it's probably true of the grown-ups in my household as well. And my experience in parenting is that it's always a miserable failure to try and tell your children to do as you say, not do as you do. You know, they follow your example, and so if my interests and a lot of the interests in this household are going to be digital entertainment... Uh, and television screens, uh, and computer screens, uh, it's really a miserable failure to set that example and expect your kid to do something different. Um, so anything that we can do to get reading and literacy involved in that uh, is better, um, especially considering another news story that I recently saw posted on how sitting uh, is actually unhealthy for you. Uh, you can just run a web search on this. I didn't write down the, uh, the URL. Uh, but basically, uh, the gist of the article is over four hours of sitting in a row, uh, starts to initiate electrochemical changes in the body that change, 
the actual uh, method that the body uses to burn fat cells away. Uh, and certainly I, you know, I, I, I felt that in my life, the more sitting in a row I do, which really, honestly, I've done more in workplace scenarios, uh, than entertainment and household scenarios, uh, the less healthy I honestly feel. So just a reminder to get up, uh, whether or not you're doing it with, you know, your wee exercise programs or just going outside and taking a walk uh, with your kids. It's always a good idea to take a break and make sure to do that. And most of your game publishers, etc., will recommend that as well. Um, one other thing I wanted to go ahead and hit up, even though uh, I've obviously taken a stand with this uh, family of mine and this podcast of mine uh, to take the ESRB rating system as a series of suggestions and a source of information uh, for what sort of games I would want to... Uh, have my kids be exposed to. Uh, I do uh, understand that it is a challenge for a lot of parents out there just to get uh, the information that they need. So I do want to go ahead and mention that you should, uh, if you are interested, visit the ESRB.org. There you can sign up for a uh, newsletter that they put out. Uh, it's called Parent Tools, and it uh, it does kind of break down uh, uh, the ratings on the most recent releases and the top sales of games that are coming out. Another really great source that I, I'm very fond of is whatthayplay.com. Uh, this is a website that uh, goes into a little more depth about the rating system. Uh, rather than just a codified rating system, it will actually give you some text to read, which, you you know, if you're interested uh, in... In setting these limits, you should go ahead and dig a little deeper, in my opinion, than the rating system and see what within these ratings actually presents what is considered objectionable content. And you'll find that at whattheyplay.com where they'll go ahead and break down some of the specifics of content that you might be concerned with uh, in particular games. Folks, I did want to add one more note in there that... Uh, I did mention a lot last week that I was having trouble with my GarageBand. Uh, I'm a big Apple fan, and they don't usually put out buggy software, so uh, a couple of web searches really did help me out with that. A uh, couple of searches that you might want to pursue if you're having problems with your GarageBand mysteriously freezing on you. Uh, there's two techniques specifically uh, to try out. One of them is deleting your GarageBand preferences. I didn't actually end up having to do that. Uh, what I ended up doing was um, just rebuilding my Mac's disk permissions, which you can do with the disk utility. A quick web search will will help you out on that. One thing for folks that are recording out there and uh, do get the spinning beach ball freeze upon recording and find themselves having to force quit out of GarageBand, one thing I did discover is that the uh, audio file was still there. If you relaunched, GarageBand, you didn't see it, but if you did open up the folder that w did contain your GarageBand project, right-click that project and select Open Package Contents, well, inside that uh, resulting folder, I saw uh, AIF audio files for the recording, and inside there, uh, there was a whole segment uh, that you'll hear, that you probably heard in this podcast, uh, that we thought we had lost, and turns out it was there, it was found, so you can just... Um, pull that AIF file out of that uh, GarageBand Projects folder. I just dropped it on my desktop. And then when I did reopen that GarageBand project, I did not see that recording in there. Dragged it back in there from my desktop, uh, which put it in there uh, as an external recorded file. Uh, and then a little GarageBand tip. You can hit uh, Control, 
Alt-G when you've got a yellow track inside there. And it'll turn it purple and make it so you can make all the changes that you like to do to your purple GarageBand tracks. A little uh, podcasting insider GarageBand uh, nerd geek advice for those folks out there. I did also want to respond to the first uh, listener who did go ahead and send us a message. Thank you, Eric, for listening to our podcast. Um, he did mention a couple of things. Uh, obviously, that first podcast is epic, and looking at my uh, length of this recording, I have a lot of editing to do, maybe to cut it down. Uh, his suggestion to limit our podcast to a specific theme was something I already had in mind, as we've done with this particular multiplayer-themed podcast, uh, and that we'll be doing moving forward. So good suggestion there, Eric. Uh, he also mentioned I need to watch out for my volume levels, uh, that there's some low voice volume, made it difficult for him to hear. That one's kind of a challenge, since I'm just using my uh, MacBook uh, microphone, and I really just can't help that I'm louder than everyone else, and uh, so I end up making the red spike in my audio track and uh, can't boost the entire track because of that. So uh, without really getting nitty-gritty in there and reducing my own volume and then boosting it when other people talk, which would really extend my edit time, I may definitely look into doing some more of that. Uh, the other thing I can promise to do is watch out for my interstitial music volume, I think, uh that Pac-Man cut out of my last podcast might have been a, a shocking surprise in volume for some folks out there, and I can only apologize for that. I also do want to agree with you, Eric. Yes, we probably do live in a house full of hams. Uh, kids follow their parents' example, and I really just couldn't help it. I am a ham. Uh, Monica, not very much a ham, uh, but uh, I think we do have a house full of dynamic people who like to be noticed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, your other suggestion in that maybe uh, in the future we could get specific on the kids' response to mature content they are exposed to uh, is something that, yes, I will look into moving forward. That discussion about the Modern Warfare 2 scene was something really that I just kind of sprung on Josh at the time, uh, and so he didn't get much chance to really think through his comments on that. Uh, one thing I've, I've tried to do is outline what we want to do on the podcast, give it to the kids in advance, and have them think through some of their comments in advance. It's kind of a balance there, though, because they look at the sheet that I give them as homework, uh, and I'm trying to keep the podcast fun, which was, of course, your other suggestion, Eric, which is to make sure we have fun with it, and that is something that you can count on, man. You know, uh, that's part of the reason why I'm moving to the bi-weekly uh, format. I want to make sure that this is a relaxed and fun thing. I wanted to get two episodes out there quickly just to show, hey, we're committed. We're going to do this moving forward. It's not just a one-shot thing. Uh, but I think definitely uh, folks can count on the episode happening bi-weekly uh, unless there's something specific uh, that gathers attention that I need to respond to. Finally, let me just uh, again mention to people that we do have a website where you can uh, uh, visit on this uh, podcast uh, and see a breakdown of the latest episodes. That's going to be at www.happygamefamily.com. And if you do have any questions or comments uh, for our podcast, uh, we hope to maybe gather a few and actually have a response section. And you can send those emails to happygamefamily.com at yahoo.com, and they will be screened if they're directed to the children uh, and passed along, uh, and if they're directed to us, 
Well, I'll probably screen those too. <laughs> I just like to keep things positive. Thanks again for joining us here on this uh, second episode of the Happy Game Family Podcast. Hopefully I'll get this thing edited today and out on Friday, January 22nd, 2010. That's the hope. Uh, and maybe moving forward, I think Friday will be our publishing date every two weeks. So uh, hopefully you should be able to count on that moving forward. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us. And may all your family's gaming memories continue to be happy as you move forward in life. Well, I eat pork. <laughs> Happy Game Family Go Podcast.